0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: The officials didn't call it, so I mean, I don't know if my mic is on, but at the end of the day, we made a hell of a shot. You know, you got to get them credit. Um, they get us down 19. You can't spot a team at home 19. Expect to win all the time, man. I thought we fought hard in the second half uh, to get back in it, so I applaud
2: our team. Uh, but we just we got up to such a rocky start, you know, on the road. I just I thought we were too po- too hyped, pumped for the game, and, and you know we I, did, I just didn't see the comfort the start of starting this ball game.
1: Vucevic, right wing, back to the goal. The defender is Smith. Vucevic has a size advantage. He uses it to hook one up from the baseline. It's rebounded by Turner. The Pacers down three. Here comes Halliburton. Near corner, heel, driving baseline. Outside Turner, on top, Smith left edge. Here's healed. and... He just set a single season pacer record for three-point field goals breaking Reggie Millers that had stood for over 20
3: years and he's tied the game at 106.
2: It's a new NBA man, uh, you, you shoot threes and uh, shoot for you at a high level. One thing I said was, this year I wouldn't say i just getting up threes, I'm shooting at a high clip, so uh, you know, But passing a legend like Reg- Reggie, you know, in Indiana, shows a testament of my hard work. Uh, Dedication to the game and my teammates finding me in the right over spot to, uh, you know, people say like, yeah, like, quote unquote, you can't do it with my teammates. Yeah, my teammates find me a lot, you know, for me moving, um, passing, replacing, trying to find me to get open. still without them finding me, I couldn't do it without them. But, uh, you know, uh, it was a great accomplishment, but, you know, we gonna keep building and see how far I can go with it.
3: I just want to watch the three point contest. I want to see him and tie in the finals. That's my that's my short term dream. But you know, Buddy, Buddy is going to go down as a historically great three-point shooter in this league, and you know, passing Reggie Miller for the single-season mark with 22 games to go is is a strong statement.
4: And uh, and I know if Reggie was here, he would he would congratulate um, Buddy because Reggie's that kind of a stand-up guy, and he, he 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 really appreciates specialization and greatness. You know, in 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 the area of specialization when it comes to shooting, so. Congratulations
5: to Buddy. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in here today. Brian No, alongside Jimmy Cook. I got a little bit nervous there, Jimmy, for a second. With Rick Carlisle said, if Reggie were here, I'm like, is Reggie gone? Did <laughs> Reggie die? Like, I, had, I had the same thought. <laughs> I, had it crossed my thought. mind as well, yes. <laughs> no, Reggie's still kicking. He's just not physically here to self-congratulate Buddy healed, But we got IU coming up a little short last night, Jimmy. We do have good news with the Pacers finally winning a game. Buddy Heald passing Reggie Miller. We'll get to that, but I don't know about you. I, I like a little friction over here, Jimmy. I like a little, you know, I like a little edge with my sports radio. And you, short of banging the table this morning, you walked in kind of like, Burst through the door and said, I got an issue with officiating over here. The IU-Northwestern game. So IU comes up a little bit short. Boo Booey does his thing down the stretch. Gets a clutch basket in the final seconds. And IU loses by two points. And you don't like the officiating in that game.
4: Look, there's two things with that. I'm not going to lose the hostility, but I want to preface it because most of our listeners know I'm an IU alum. Uh Yes, I'm a bit salty today. Yes, I did not think that IU was going to go to Northwestern even though they've won four or five straight now against ranked opponents uh, or maybe not in a row, but they've, they've done victories over top 25 teams. They've never done in their program's history prior to tonight. They're a great team, all that fun stuff. The way that game was officiated, the way the Purdue game was officiated the night before and the level of physicality that you see on a nightly base in the big 10 is great. It's nothing new. It's been going on for the last 25 years, but, and we had the same issue happen in the Super Bowl. This past Sunday, oh, man. when you had holding called on Bradbury and Smith and Smith Schuster going for a route, and people were mad because they didn't call it that the whole game, and they called it there. And the main issue is, well, you can't let the game be decided by that. Well, the other option is when a blatant push off happens with six seconds to go on the drive by Boo Booey. We can't just pretend like people are gonna. Oh well, he pulled a baseball bat out and hit his kneecaps, but it's the last two minutes, so let's swallow the whistle.
5: Remind me, how long the show is? How long is, how long is it? <laughs> Three hours. Three hours. Can we carve out two hours and ten minutes about <laughs> the holding penalty in the Super Bowl? <laughs> but but um, listen, I'm with you. I think about, I think officiating is like the speed limit, okay? I think that calling fouls is like the speed limit, where there are some places where it's a little relaxed. The Big Ten, they let you get away with a lot of stuff. If you go out on the highway... Some cops let you get away with going 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. A cop pulled me over and was like, this is a long time ago, he's like, you were going a 72 and a 65. And I looked at him like, so? Yes, thank (laughs) you. Thankfully, (laughs) he had (laughs) had something else more pressing, and he he left and did that. But the point is, depending on where you're at, if it's the Big Ten, eh, it might let you get away with a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, tournament time. That's the larger issue. When you're used to less restrictions, and they're calling ticky-tack fouls, that changes the math real quickly. We
4: can save this as a terrible take, and Eddie, you can save it as well when Northwestern winds up being a second-weekend team, and I look like a fool, but I'm going to steer into this skit anyway. When they lose in the first weekend of the tournament because they were at the bonus at the under... 12 media timeout. You wonder this every year. Old, why is the Big Ten always struggle? And again, I know there's sometime ACC officials on Big Ten games. I know it's not always Big Ten officials, but the way the game is officiated and called to your point and to my point on Twitter last night, you can follow on Twitter at the J. Cook, by the way, is that it's. Just such a big paradigm shift for these Big Ten teams, and it's not the only reason, but it's a large reason why you see them falter year after year because they're allowed to pound each other to a pulp in conference, and then you get into play, and it's like, oh, suddenly it's guard friendly. Suddenly we're 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 gonna we're gonna be more. And and on that one, that is an offensive player committing a, a push off at the end of the Northwestern IU game last night to get separation. They were doing it all night, so they weren't calling it. So if you're one of those who's like, oh well, they were consistent all night. Yes, they were consistently bad at missing
5: one call. Two, I have many questions for you. By all means, here, Jimmy Cook. First question is: I'm going to hook you to the lie detector test in a second. But first question is: Do you think, with certainty, if it's the NCAA tournament, Boo Boo, Booie does the same thing? Is that an offensive foul? With certainty, I feel like it. No, I'll say no because I feel like at the college level.
4: They often do swallow the whistles, which drives me nuts. Like, it, like I, both can be true. I can agree with you that maybe that doesn't get called, but it should. Mm-hmm. It should get called on a Wednesday night in the Big Ten, and it should get called on a Friday night the first weekend of the tournament. It stinks. It, it's awful that you're putting that on a kid in that situation. But you have a job as a referee with a whistle. It's not a decorative piece. Mm-hmm. You cannot let a season be ended because somebody extended a forearm for clear separation nearly at uh, Trey Galloway's groin to get separation there and be like, oh, it's a game winner, and no one said a word about it. Hummel didn't say a word about it. It was never mentioned on the broadcast. Of course, Collins isn't going to say anything about it because his team just beat a ranked team. I don't blame him. I'm not going to – oh, okay, we got away with one there. But, yeah, no one acknowledged that whatsoever on the broadcast, even when they showed the replay of the draft. Like, oh, that's just a great play by Boo Booey. Yeah, I agree. He shoved – <laughs> He shoved Galloway into, I don't know, the Chicago River, basically. I understand that it <laughs> ever is it's, it's further away than that. Like but you Michigan? Get my Michigan? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he pushed him over two
5: counties. So uh, Okay, question two here, and this is the lie detector test part of it. Okay.
4: I thought that one was
5: it. So, no, no, no. I was honest the, on that this answer. This is the true lie detector okay, test, okay. but in complete transparency, you know, total honesty. And we're not going to, you know, throw stones at you or anything like that. If what you're advocating for, if the Big Ten says, you know what? We see, we're listening to Jimmy Cook on the live stream over here. Sure. Jimmy Cook's got a Naturally, they're tuned in. Yes. Yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's officiate more so in Big Ten play the way it is officiated when the NCAA tournament rolls around. How often are you aggravated by ticky tack calls routinely being whistled. How I, on a nightly basis,
4: if it's stopping the flow of play, mm-hmm. and I think there's a fine line there. I'm not trying to be like fully political with this answer, but there is a difference between, oh, you could call a foul like that every single play and what Boo Booey did to end the game last night. Like, yes, there is natural separation and more freedom allowed to offensive players, particularly guards, not just the college level, but the NBA level across the board. It's an offensive-driven league. I'm not saying that I want this to be just defensive stoutness, and teams are in the bonus by the time that it's, you know, like I joked about earlier, the under-10 or under-12, but there's a... There's a difference between stopping flow and blatant actions. Like mm-hmm. I think there's and that is the imperfect human element of being an official. You can't get it right every time. That's why they missed them most of the night. That one felt pretty blatant to me.
5: You know what? I'll marry the two conversations together real fast and we'll circle we'll go right over to the Pacers and Buddy healed. But if we're talking about the Super Bowl, if we're talking about IU last night, the thing that will drive me insane, Jimmy Cook. Okay, is to say, well, if if IU doesn't score just twenty points in the first half, then you don't even have to worry about that. Like you can play that game with yep. both teams. Yep. I heard that with the Eagles. Well, if you don't allow Mahomes and the yep. and the Chiefs to score all these second yep. half points, it's like it came down to yes. that play for both teams. You could play that game with the Chiefs. Correct. You could play that game with Northwestern. If Northwestern doesn't allow what forty two second half points. It doesn't come down to a last second shot by Boo Boo. No. That is what drives me insane is it came down to that for both teams. Yes. And don't just look at one team and say, you handle your business. Don't cry to me about officiating. You can play the same game with the other team all day. No doubt.
4: Yeah. I mean, because someone hit me with, and they were right. And it was a Purdue fan. I will I will say that. It was no one in this building. It was just somebody on Twitter. They were like, oh, well, what about Trace Jackson Davis's goaltend? And, and, and that's fair. That was a goaltend, but also Northwestern got four free throws in the ball because they missed a blatant travel and Rosemont and Woodson both got teed up and they, because the guy was wrong (laughs) and they dished out tentacles because of it. So yes, I, I'm, I'm, you can play that game all the time, but my larger issue, even though I'm an IU alum is objectively speaking, the officiating was bad on both fronts last night. The goaltend, there's other areas Northwestern can complain about. I can complain about technical fouls being dished out because an official was wrong and because they missed a blatant offensive foul to end the game. My my camp, though, and this is how I felt about the Super Bowl, what I've been mad about it, sure. I'm a Chiefs fan. Everybody knows this, told you that this week. Yeah, yeah. If that goes the other way, like the Chiefs are the one calling holding, am I probably pretty mad and bitter? Yes, but after I've taken time to cope with it, and if particularly if the defender owns up to it and says, yeah, I held him, I want the call made there. End of game, I want a foul called. I don't want it to be suddenly a, a, a street rules brawl in WWE where it's like, oh, no, we're not we're not going gonna to let you do whatever you want. You want to br- use the Gatorade lid as a weapon? Feel free. Go, we're not going to call you, it. Last you know two what, minutes. You know
5: what I don't want? <laughs> I don't want technically... It's defensive hold. I don't want technically. No, I don't want that. I don't either. I, I don't want technically. No, that was a little bit of a push off I don't want technical calls when it's down. I want it clear as day. End. I want it clear as day. That's exactly what and, I and, want. As and well.
4: am I willing to say that the the hold uh, in the Super Bowl was closer to technical than clear as day? I'm willing to hear that argument and probably agree with it. Yeah. Um, last night I'm not. That it was. Every angle they showed. It wasn't like, oh, but from this angle, or if you slow it down, that's how you say it's not. No, it was live, and it was every replay they showed Clears the Day.
5: I do like amped up Jimmy Cook over here, Eddie Garrison. I would like you, Eddie, to give he me is a... He fired up. He's fired up today. That's hot. I like it. I would like a, a detailed list... Of amped up categories <laughs> for Jimmy Ooh. Cook that I could kind of pepper him with from time to time. You, you know, know what I how
6: mean? we get the Fran McCaffrey like face level red meter. Yeah, we need that with Jimmy today.
5: Yeah, yeah. Is he uh, like? Is he outspoken about a certain genre of music? Had that, I don't... had that been against Purdue, you would have gotten red faced. I would have been livid. Like really? Because like, they're their rivals, right? Like,
4: like Northwestern again. I Northwestern is is a very. Like from a, just being in the Big Ten and so much suffering they've gone through, they're a lovable team. Like I, I, I like Coach Collins. I, I I do like the Wildcats. Um, I, I don't have a problem with them, usually. But had that been a legitimate rivalry game, like let's say on the road, and maybe you the argument, oh, they're not getting that call in West Lafayette. Okay, fine. My baseline point is though, neutral site, road game, home game, make the call. If it's blatant, make the call. But... To the larger point, yeah, that been in West Lafayette and IE was finally going to win up there for the first time. And uh, I don't even know how long it's been. And That's sad to say that. But I'd be pretty hot today. It's, very, very hot.
5: The thing about officiating, man, it's it's lame because you go back to the Super Bowl, I hate your Chiefs. And I, I feel like I'm kind of like kissing up to Jimmy Cook. I hate being in this position over I appreciate here, it. Gares, Makes not, me feel good. Really not. But <laughs> the problem with that defensive holding call, which was ticky-tack and in my estimation should not have been called – we don't talk about Mahomes and how sensational he was in the second half as much. We don't talk about the Chiefs offensive line giving up zero seconds. It's straight to that call. And, and the same thing last night. If it's straight to Boo Booey yeah. and the, the forearm groin check, if you will, yeah. it's not about Northwestern holding IU to 20 points and a half.
4: And, and that's where your well-actually stuff you don't like comes back into play because yeah. I can sit there and I can honestly say, yesterday I said on the air, what was going to be the difference for Indiana between – Last night and the meeting against Northwestern up in Assembly Hall, and my argument was they're going to take care of the basketball better. It's going to be a cleaner game. They'll be fine. And they didn't do that. They turned the ball over, what was it, 15 times 13. at the end? 13. 13-3. And, and again, that is just one team executing better over the course of 40 minutes of basketball. You saw that in Bloomington from Northwestern. You saw it again here. So there is a tip of the cap, credit where credit is due you should have cleaned things up earlier. It's not just on that one call. Again, that's the part that you and yeah. I kind of go back and forth with. But they rallied back. I thought that thing's going to OT. I thought it deserved overtime. And also, I don't know the boo-boo he needed to get the separation like he did because he'd been hot all night.
5: I think it's so funny how the end result can feel so different. Where if you flip-flop I use performance, let's say they're scorching hot in the first half and they're just... Giving away the lead, giving away the lead, giving away the lead, and they lose by two points at the end. You feel way worse today, and I'm not saying any IU fan is comfortable with the loss, but the way IU battled all the way back, and there's sort of a feeling like, hey, we're kind of in this thing, yeah. and then another three, and it's like, we got a
4: shot. Uh, it was it was turning into a Miller Cop revenge game. I was like, because they were they were yelling obscenities at him all night, and I was like, oh man, this is this gonna be great. He's gonna get a little revenge, and then yeah, I mean, look. I'm not as another reason you asked why it'd be a red face day um, or Fran McCaffrey day, as Eddie put it, Uh, there's a tomorrow, right? Like, but, but the, but the bigger issue, why that is a seed line affecting loss. Like it's, it's massive for Northwestern and it's a missed opportunity. In the tournament. Exactly. It's a, it's a seed line. In the conference tournament. That too. Both. Mm. It's, it's a conference tournament loss and it's something that impacts what your resume could be in March. And that is why particularly in college basketball. Yes, every game matters, but you get into conference play and you get into the final, whatever, four or five games left of the season. And yeah, a missed call like that. And there were other stuff sure that Indiana could have done, but a missed opportunity there to add another win to your resume. That's the difference between being a four seed and being a six seed.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. There's no doubt. I'm Brian though. He's Jimmy Cook here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan. We will get to the Colts today. Heavy portion of Colts talk. Simple question. What would make you happy? this year, in 2023, what would make you happy? As a Colts fan, we will get to that. But as promised, we want to get to Buddy Heald, the Pacers. The Pacers, I had. You ever have just silly thoughts from time to time, Jimmy Cook? You can be honest with us. All the time. Here. Love a good I silly, have silly thought. Thoughts. Sure. You know what song? We thought,
4: we thought Rick Carlisle killed Reggie Miller earlier. It happens.
5: Yeah, right. <laughs> if Reggie were here, like, I'm sure he would congratulate. Is Reggie gone? Did Reggie get. Yeah, thankfully he's still alive and kicking. It's all good. But uh, the song that popped into my head. After seeing the the Pacers finally win a game, do you remember that song? Finally, it's happened to me. Where it's like, finally, it's happened yes. to me. That's the song that popped into my <laughs> head because they've sucked for eighteen games. They've lost sixteen of eighteen. They they were down by twenty four. Points at the end of the first quarter, they gave up 39 in one quarter to a Bulls team that had been brutal from three for over the last week, and no Demar Derozan. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah. And then they totally redeemed themselves. The Pacers come all the way back, they get a win, and it was just nice to see them win again. And Buddy Heald does his thing, surpassing Reggie Miller. First things first, like maybe this is a. Putting a smile on your face over here. We just went through IU talk and officiating talk. Pacers get a win. Buddy Heald does something franchise-wise historic. Pretty good. The smile on the face is for Buddy. The smile
4: is also laughing at myself because I understand I'm in the wrong here. and I'm a bad person for this, but I've had a love-hate relationship with the Pacers the last two months. We talked about this yesterday, too, uh, because they started off so hot, and it was it surprised everybody. Because quietly within the fan base man, Tyrese Halliburton's awesome. Like, he looked great at the end of last year. He's the future is going to be great. And then he goes out and he proves it. He becomes an all-star, and he's a clear, going to be a future face of the franchise for years to come. They are still, even after last night, so obviously a player away that I keep going back to the thing about the best way to do that is through the draft. And they do have three first-round picks this year. But I'm at a point now where, like, I'm smiling because, yeah, I'm happy they won, but now I'm back in the boat of pessimistic Pacers fans where it's like the team wants to make the play and they'd love to be a part of the postseason. They would love to. We know fans and front office slash coaches slash players are different. They're different human beings for a number of different reasons, but in particular because it's their livelihood and they're playing to have a tomorrow. As a realistic Pacers fan, this team's not doing anything this year. They're not. Maybe they squeak out of the play-in. I guess if they go, what, 18-4, and Eddie, maybe we can talk about them being a non... I'm just throwing out a random number there. There's, what, 22 games left. I'm happy for Buddy. I'm happy they won. I'm happy for the fans that were there that got to see a win before the All-Star break. The second half of the season, I'd be lying to you if I'm not going to be a little, like, not as angry as a diehard Pacers fan would be
5: if this season ends up
4: 8-14 and to close.
5: Yeah, man. I mean, I think that the Pacers are just... Taste, uh, testing your level of commitment yeah. right now. This is like a relationship, you know. This is a relationship that's hit a, a rocky stage. Sure, you know, like you forgot her birthday, <laughs> you forgot your anniversary. I don't know, whatever happened, and it's a little, it's a little rocky right now. That's where we are with the Pacers, man. And I have to constantly keep my mind right with the Pacers. That's where I find myself at. Where it's like I see KD going to the. Sons, And it's like, ooh. It's almost like waiting for the bus. And you're like, oh, here's my bus. And they're like, no, you're not on this bus. And I'm like, I <laughs> got to <express> wait. Way. <laughs> really? I, I, I want to be on that bus. But it's constantly keeping your head right of they are just putting the building blocks in place. They're not at that stage. And so I think you as a fan to s- stay sane is to not misinterpret the stage that they're in. And also, I think that... It's easy to be there for the good times, just like a relationship. you got to be there for the bad Indeed. times. These are the bad times. Losing 16 of 18, losing 13 straight on the road, that's the definition of
4: the bad times. But I'm the masochist over here where I'm not mad about the bad times. There you and go. Quite frankly, I trust the front I, – I do. I trust what the front office is doing, and to your point, larger picture for the Pacers. I love the direction and the health of the franchise where it's at right now. It's in a far better place than it was a year ago. Again, I say they're a player away, not negatively. I just mean – they are. They they, they clearly need, um, and Eddie and I have talked about this in the past. whether that's another forward. whether of that is 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 another playmaker. Whatever the case may be, they need one more piece. Best place for it is the draft, and so that's why I am a bit of a masochist about it. Where I'm like, oh man, they lost 16 to 18. That's terrible. But I have a little grin on my face looking at the camera, like it's like draft stock went up. But I also understand that. Winning is fun, and there was so much losing with this franchise last yeah. year. Yeah, who am I to be mad at them for coming back from 20 down in the first quarter sure. to beat the Bulls?
5: It's you can't help yourself, right. I swear. As a fan, you could work in the NFL here, where gosh, we go back a couple of years, the Jets beat Jacksonville, and it cost, cost them, them a Trevor bit. Lawrence. Yes. yes, and but yes. Jets fans in that moment are like right on we win you know like I can't be mad at any fan being happy about a win in the moment I would have been hot I would have yeah, been hot if I was a Jets been, fan then I would <laughs> that, <laughs> sure,
4: that's, that sure I mean that's the difference between
5: Zach Wilson and a quarterback I mean that's a whole different we could uh, have for an hour that but is, you get my point that's different but if if the Pacers were in that upper 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 you know lottery maybe they get when Benyana, that's different and and if they were at even if they were
4: like still what they were to start the year, which we knew was unsustainable. But if they were like a four or a five right now, I wouldn't have this mentality. But they're, they're in purgatory right now. They're just like the Colts were and the Colts currently are. And that's why there's so much occasional doom and gloom around both these fan bases because both of them have had varying levels of success the last 15 years in that stretch. Obviously, the Colts have a... Well, not 15 to the Super Bowl, but they've been to a Super Bowl. Pacers in the last 15 years have been to two Eastern Conference championship rounds. But outside of that, there's been a lot of close or just outside or retirements or just crazy things that have happened to these fan bases to the point that they're both crossing with one another right now saying, wow, we just lose all the time now. That's So I get it. I totally get fans wanting to be happy. And I'm happy, too. Like, I'm happy for Buddy. That's amazing. Like, like to to think that in a single season, and there's still 20 games left. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but that's how much the game has changed. Oh, gosh. That he's passed Reggie Miller for franchise lead for single season threes. That's, that's in, incredible. And he deserves all the applause for that. And the Pacers, for what they've done this season, deserve applause. I'm so mad, though, because... They're in a purgatory spot right now. Oh, they're phew, man. because best case is at this point, not being too op- optimistic, but being generous to them is a play-in spot. Yeah, and some would argue
5: that's hell. <laughs> it's not the postseason. People are like, that's not the playoffs. Uh-huh. And I agree, it's literally not. It is the play-in right? tournament. Right, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> I love that the stats don't count. They're just like <laughs> hovering in the atmosphere. Right. They don't really pertain to anything for the play-in stuff. And we'll get to Dave Revson from Big Ten Network at 1 o'clock at the top of the hour. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, at 2 o'clock. Around the corner here at 12.30, Paul Casaro, head coach at U-Indy. We've got a couple of minutes right now, though. Let's dive into, Eddie, if you could, the uh, the Buddy Healed sound. He passes Reggie Miller for the single-season franchise record for three-pointers. Here's what Buddy had to say about that.
2: It's a new NBA, man. Uh, you shoot threes and uh, shoot for you at a high level. Uh, one thing I said, was, this year I wouldn't say I'm just getting up threes. I'm shooting a high clip, so... Uh, you know, but passing legend like Reggie, you know, in Indiana, uh, shows a testament of my hard work, uh, dedication to the game, and my teammates finding me in the right open spot. To, uh, you know, people say, like, yeah, like, quote, unquote, you can't do it with my teammates. Yeah, my teammates find me a lot, you know. But, but me moving, I'm passing, replacing, trying to find me to get open. Still without them, finding me, uh, I couldn't do it without them. But, uh, you know, it was a great accomplishment. But, you know, we said keep building and see how far I can go with it.
5: I think that's the perfect soundbite, really, because Buddy wasn't like, you know, I'm awesome. I have put in a lot of time, you know. He's like yeah, I'm shooting threes at a much higher clip right now than when Reggie was around. And that's true. So I love that he prefaced it with that. And then give some flowers to your teammates. I thought it was perfectly handled by Buddy.
4: And that is all the praise that we've heard, a microcosm of, we're not in the locker rooms, right? Unless you're unless you're interviewing guys, you're at the media availabilities. But everybody talks about the chemistry of this group, the, the, the selflessness of this group. And yeah, that's a prime example of it. I would expect nothing less from Buddy. But it's still good to be reminded of that and and that they handle their business, whether it's on the court or in the press room. It's never really with this team right now about me. It's about the collective group as a whole. And that's why that was hard for me and why it was a constant debate here in studio leading up to the trade deadline of what does the future hold for Buddy? Because he's one of those players where he still has two years. You don't have to move him. But is he a serious part of your core at 30 years old, but still playing a high level and that's not super old in today's nba but yeah he's buddy has been nothing short of amazing both again just the way he handles his business off and on the court since he's been here in indiana he's beloved by the fan base and just a a classy way to handle that entire moment
5: we'll get to a little bit later one of his former teammates calling him an (laughs) a-hole And it's a compliment. We'll do that a little bit later in the show. Also, Eddie Garrison, you talk about crack research over here. Oh, man. There was smoke coming off of his keyboard earlier with some of the stats that he pulled up. Comparing Buddy Heald to Reggie Miller and single season shot attempts and career shot attempts and average shot attempts from three per game. It is mind-blowing stuff. So we'll do a little tale of the tape a little bit later. And again, props to Buddy. This is not selling him short at all. It's just, it's a different era. It's a different day and age it's like uh passing yards in the nfl it's a different era for passing yardage than it was in say the 90s or even the early 2000s it's just different so it's not to take shine away from buddy it's just it's changed a little bit all right coming up next paul cassaro head coach at u indy will join us on the show i'm brian no he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: I'm Brian Though He's Jimmy Cook here today on 93.5, 5, 107.5 The Fan. You know, what else ticks you off, Jimmy, just in general? I know officiating gets under your skin. It's like reggae music. You hate reggae? Uh, I don't know. You hate... Uh, shopping malls I don't handle traffic well
4: (laughs) I don't handle traffic well but that's most Americans I feel like I don't don't handle traffic and bad drivers we we need to
5: we need to get a segment on that we We can't we'll we'll compare a whole book about that let's welcome in Paul Casaro head coach at UIndy, joining us here on the fan coach you know we'll get to basketball and all that good stuff but uh there was smoke coming out of Jimmy's ears based (laughs) on officiating so it could be anything basketball pet peeve wife or anything in life what's on your list coach
3: Oh, nothing. Just uh, I'm I'm in a good place. You know, we, we got a game tonight um, and, you know, boys are playing well. And uh, there's nothing, there, no smoke coming out of my ears. Man, that
5: is.
4: Coach, have you, uh, I, I apologize for not having the stat in front of me, but I, I, I'd like to never think negatively of you. Have, have you been dished out of tea yet in your uh, coaching career?
3: Uh, I've gotten one each season so far. So I've gotten three. Um, and to be honest with you, I felt like, uh, I've des- if if what I did those times equal technical, then I deserve many more. I don't feel like I really earned the ones that I got. Shockingly,
4: is that um? And I always like to joke with coaches about this, but is that a frustrating aspect of it that you'd like to get your money's worth?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because I'll be <laughs> honest with you, like it's it's a lot harder to get technical than people realize. You know, people have no idea what's actually said face to face when the crowd's going and that kind of stuff. Like it's uh, um, you know. It's. I, I think it's pretty difficult to get one. And then the times I've got them, I've been like, really? Like, come on, let me get my money's worth. Let me
5: have a little fun with this. <laughs> How many times, Coach, do you think you have gotten your money's worth and not been teed up?
3: Every game I haven't been teed up. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you find co- yourself... I, I've coached, uh, let's see here, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, oh, 77 games, so 74
5: times. <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, what do you find yourself arguing about the most passionately like generally speaking what, what is it that that might get under your skin and cause you to yell at a ref or two
3: um it, it varies honestly like i can't say one thing here or there it, it's competitive you know um but at the end of the day, listen. We're all humans. You know, they have a tough job. We have a tough job. Uh, basketball games are competitive and emotional. And you know, at the end of the day, it's all about having a mutual respect and understand that we're both we're, uh, we're both working. You know, so try to work together as much as you possibly can. Uh, say what you have to say. Listen when uh, your emotions aren't too high and you're actually capable of doing so, which is easier said than done. But like, it, it's an inexact science, to be honest with you.
4: Coach, you're riding. Coach Paul Cassaro nice I take some time with us via the Motor Shop and figures Hotline on themotorshop.com. You're riding a 16-game winning streak right now. Obviously, uh, we've talked to you a bit over the course of the season, but what has been the biggest focal point or, or the thing you've been most proud of of this group over this 16-game span?
3: Uh, commitment to each other. Commitment to the um, the 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 greater good, the greater cause of the group. No one's concerned about themselves or individual accolades or to statistics or playing time. It's all about winning, um, and they play for each other. They play the right way, so it's a selfless group.
5: Coach, how do you get players to be more unselfish and to have that mindset?
3: You know, honestly, if you wait till you get them, it's too late you know, you have to, that that comes down to the recruiting and you really got to find out the type of person you're getting before you bring them in. Because um, uh, that's a component that goes to character and uh, you have to have the right character to be able to uh, be that type of teammate, that type of player. Uh, so I think that you're going to sift through that during the recruiting process. And if you're about recruiting student athletes that, are um, more than just, you know, the statistics and what you see on paper and what you see on film and, and recruit more than just a basketball player then I think you have a chance to do that.
4: Coach, we were discussing earlier Buddy Healed on the Pacers side uh breaking Reggie Miller's single season uh franchise record for three-pointers made and we were just discussing the different changes in the game within the last 10 15 years on that flow on the offensive side, Paul, because obviously you played there and and now you're the head coach. How much have you seen that change, both as your time as an assistant uh, to now as a head coach, in terms of the way the game is played on the offensive end?
3: You know, it, it's 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 um it's definitely changed in terms of the value on uh, shooting the ball from the three, and you know more attempts are taking, which is you know yielding um, a higher rate of makes. You know, because um, you know I, I'd be, you'd be shocked to ever think Reggie Miller's. Um, you know, three point record would be broken, especially this early in the season. Uh, but I think that just goes to how much, how many more threes are being taken and how much more emphasis is being put on that. Um, you know, conversely, um, we play a little more of a throwback style. You know, we're going to drive it, we're going to post it, we're going to play inside out. And you can still win that way too. You know, and, and I think uh, where people get in trouble is. You know, there's nothing wrong with going with the trends if that's who you are. But you got to stick to your identity, and you can still uh, win that way. I mean, you look at, um, you know, teams that are still more of a run. It's kind of a, like a, the analogy I use is, you know, teams can still win by running the football, then not by spreading around and you know just dinking and dunking all over the field. There's multiple ways multiple ways to win games in any sport, I think. But I think the key is sticking to your identity and being true to who you are.
5: Are there ever times, coach, where your identity is tested? You know, like, like, let's go with the football thing. If you're running the football, but you're playing an opponent and they're throwing the ball all over the place, and it's easy to be like, ooh, wow, ah, we, we kind of want to do something similar there. Do you ever get that tested where you face a team that's really good from three and it, and it really tests your identity to stay true to what you do best?
3: All the time. All the time. We, you know, the term we use here is we always talk about being us. You know, we, we say that a lot. Like, yeah, we we got to just continue to be us and stay the course. And, you know, we're going to keep doing what we do. You know, we, we, we're we more worried about you and even the other opponent uh, more times than not. And if if you get away from being yourself, being us, then you're not going to be as good. You know, that's bottom line. It's, you know, every team has an identity. Every team is made up. Uh, by a lot of talented individuals, but the, some of those individuals is going to be at its best playing a certain style and a certain brand. And you know, for instance, uh, this past weekend we were in uh, uh, we were on a road trip, and you know we found ourselves down uh, late in the second half in each game, and we just stuck to our identity, kept doing what we what we always do, and uh, ended up working out for us.
4: Final two home games of the season upcoming for the sixth-ranked towns. You can catch them here in. Uh, actually tonight, 730 against Drury and then Saturday back-to-back GLVC matchups to close the year. Senior day, of course, this weekend. Coach, uh, we talked to you last time when it was, um, was it pack the house night? Am I getting that right?
3: Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so we'll make sure. Right. So we
4: talked to you last time, pack the house night. For you, I know how important it is for support and 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 the crowd you get and just the alumni base to continue to support the hounds. Obviously, very important with you guys hanging on the top spot in the GLVC right now and two back to back, four straight really conference games, two on the road to end the season. But these first two at home critical, and I know you need as much you like as much support as you can get.
3: Absolutely. you know, we we always want to pack Nickerson Hall as much as we can. Our our alumni and local support has been great, you know. Um you know, hopefully we can keep this up these last two games, especially that Saturday game. You know, great opportunity to bring your kids if you got you got youngsters. We're actually going to do a um an autograph session Right on the court, immediately following our game, we're not even gonna go back to the locker room. Uh, all of our players will be available for any kids in the stands, even adults, if adults want them too. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll have uh, team posters available with sharpies, and they'll be able to get autographs from all of our, all of our, all of our guys. So, trying to just provide an atmosphere that. You know people in the city can get on board with and you know students are really starting to get on board too our crowds have been really really good ever since uh, uh, our New Year's Eve game uh, on a, uh, New Year's Eve afternoon and um, you know hopefully we can keep that going
4: coach Paul take taking some time with us here in the com studios on the hotline coach I know that this is not a time for memories there's a lot of objectives that you still have on your checklist for this season but we won't talk to you between now and Saturday's senior day. What's your biggest takeaways from this group of seniors?
3: It's a great group of guys, you know. And you know, three of them, uh, three of the four, uh, Ben, Jacoby, and Aaron, um, all, all, all local, local guys. Um, you know, here in Indianapolis, Ben Nickerson, Center Grove, Aaron other in Hamilton, Southeastern, and, uh, and Jacoby Robinson, Warren Central. So uh, some some people that Indianapolis residents follow high school basketball know about. Those are all guys that have been here since day one with me. Ben, uh, you know, was retained from the previous staff and and stuck around and believed in me and didn't hop in the portal. Um, You know, and then uh, actually Aaron and Jacoby, were the first two guys that I signed over Zoom because it was in April of 2020, right in COVID. Um, you know, right when I got the job, there, were my first two commits on back-to-back days. So, you know, what we've built, and, you know, like I said, I we're not done by any means. Um, not possible without those three. And, you know, um, there, everybody talks about, you know, you know the way things are going right now, but it wasn't always that way. You know, we, we had to, to, to fight and scratch and claw to get here. Um, And, you know, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. But I'll be forever in debt to those guys uh, for helping me build this program. And then Bruno Williams uh, came to us from Lewis this year a Transfer, believed in us, to spend his last year playing college basketball. And he's been a wonderful addition as well.
5: He's Coach Paul Casaro from UND, head coach over there. Coach, last one from me. I want to know what you're displeased with. Okay, and I'll frame it like this. You know, coaches always want to fine-tune Things right, you're 22 and 2, 116 in a row. But I think to Nick Saban, where he might have a nice win to start the season, and he sounds like he got blown out by five touchdowns. You know, you're always trying to fine tune things. If there is one area that you could just snap your fingers and fine tune about your team, what would it be?
3: I got it all for you right now our after timeout defense, our baseline out of bounds defense. our transition offense and our sideline out of bounds offense all need to get better and trust me every day i wake up thinking about how we can improve those things i'm never happy
4: coach i want to end on a silly note um i'll tell you who it was off air but i'm not going to out which alumni uh sent me this but i was told to ask we asked you about your behavior currently as a head coach how would you say that compares to uh when your sister the talented Lindsay Cassara, was playing
3: what are you talking about the behavior when uh, just yeah, of exactly. how you reacted
4: during a game compared to when when you were playing compared to when you were coaching.
3: Oh yeah, you know, I was I was just a fan. You know, she you no know, she was so fun to watch and I enjoyed watching her play. Uh, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. You know, people who watch me can probably give me a better example Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to, when it comes to sports and, you know, getting fired up, it's kind of an outer body experience. So whatever reaction I get, sometimes I black out and don't, don't even know what the heck just happened. So, uh, so whoever's watching me can probably give you a better, better answer there.
5: Coach really appreciate the time, man. Uh, Hope you have a great game tonight and we'll catch you down the road. All right.
3: Guys, appreciate it. As always, have a great one.
5: Thanks, yeah, coach. Good luck. You too. Paul Cassaro, head coach at U Indy. By the way, Jimmy Cook, what kind of coach would you be? Would you be fiery? Would you be a little bit like Tom Izzo? I, I don't know. Like, what would be your style if something. What if, like, Boo Booey drives in and forearms the guy in front of him? Would you just lose your mind, start throwing stuff? What would you do?
4: Never to the point of throwing stuff. <laughs> Definitely would be in a, in an official's face, trying to yell at them off the floor. Uh-huh. But in You're terms of Bob Knight, no, no a chair? we're not throwing chairs. Uh, uh, that that's uh, I I gotta be original. I can't steal an iconic move like that. Yeah, but no, yeah. we're not throwing stuff. Um, from a demeanor standpoint, and I don't remember who it was this week that that said this, but we were talking about like different coaching styles in the NFL and the perceived coaching style of of Tony Dungy was that you knew when he was disappointed in you, you didn't have to. He'd have to yell at you about it or be in your face about it. You knew and responded to improve because, oh man, I really let... That would be more my demeanor is that you know that you would really let me versus... I understand I came in here guns and blazing, but yeah, no, I'm not. (laughs) His his coaching style is much
5: different than his radio style. Yes, yes, indeed. You'd be more so um, strength, but not as spoken, right? Like More like quiet strength. Right, yes. like that's more Tony is yes. more yes. of like a, yeah. a quiet strength type thing. What like about that. you? Oh, I'd be crazy. Yeah, I, I'd be a freaking <laughs> maniac on the sideline if something. Oh, because listen, we do a like gambling talk from time to time. Oh man, if there, I know you get oh, yeah. get down on the oh, gambling we're degenerates. We are. Oh, hey, uh, welcome. I'm I'm at home. Over one here. of us. Yes, yes, one of us. I'm <laughs> at home over here. But if something, it happened in the IU game against Michigan. I had the team total over in the first half. And they blew the layup. Oh, they blew! I needed that layup. Oh, that is not a good place to be. But if it's the officials' fault, and I'm a head coach, yeah, I I can't say I'd be composed. Same, because there's there's a difference
4: between my because I'm I'm going to bat for my guys in that moment. That's how I view that. I'm not just taking out on the officials because I'm mad. I feel like my players who worked hard were robbed of a win or robbed of an opportunity. That's why I'm so frustrating. Well, that you missed the call, but versus yelling at a player or, or cursing out or something. Oh no! Not, yeah, yeah, like, yeah,
5: yeah, 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 yeah. It's just yeah. I, I'm not I'm the same way with gambling. I, it's stupid to just like curse out a player or it, it's just like they're trying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's still like, I needed that. Yep. You know, but same if with fantasy football. Same yeah. Thing. Yep. If it's yep. the official at fault.
6: My favorite it feels is when worse. like the under is on pace the entire game and then you oh, get to man. the final minute. Oh man. And there's just like foul after foul, and it's like free throw the free throw. Next like, you know, yeah. there's 17 points scored in the last 45 seconds in the overcast. And it's like the hell,
5: that's rough. You know, we need to do that next hour, Jimmy. We need to do the one thing at the top of your list, driving-wise, that gets <sighs> under your skin about traffic, and we need to do the one thing top of the list. There are many on oh, these yeah. lists over here, but the top of the list, the thing that drives you most crazy about losing a bet, what would be at the top of the list? Eddie laid his out. We'll get to that in the next hour. Coming up next, I want to get to the Colts, so we haven't talked about them yet. What would make you Happy this year? Simple question. In the year 2023, what would make you happy? Within reason. And we're not talking about an undefeated season, winning a Super Bowl. Like, come on. The owner tweeted no less than six months ago that two Lombardis were coming in the next decade.
4: So, I mean, <laughs> depending on what headspace you're in, there are no wrong answers. Let's get it rolling in 23 <laughs>
5: over here. We'll get to that right around the corner. I'm Brian Noh He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: I'm Brian Noe. He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan today. Having some fun. We haven't talked Colts yet. And that... I just had a flashback to the movie Braveheart. You a fan of the movie Braveheart? Remember when Mel Gibson was a a wee little tyke, and I think it was his uncle was like, well, that's something we shall have to remedy, because he didn't know how to speak a certain language <laughs> yep. or whatever. That We gotta remedy that. We haven't taught Colts yet. Let's remedy it. Uh, what would make you happy this year? That's a simple question. 2023, within reason, what would make you happy? I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy, I don't think I'm that hard to please over you. This is what I want. This is on my Colts wish list. Within reason. Okay? I want proof that Shane Steichen is fine-tuning the offense. Okay, I want proof. I'm not expecting them to be top five, but I just want proof they're on the right track. And I want to feel strongly that they have found the right quarterback and he indeed will be a franchise quarterback. That might be a little strong in year one, but you could tell with Justin Herbert, year one. This guy is a franchise QB. You can, I would argue, somebody disagree. I would argue in year one maybe partially because of the college credentials that Trevor Lawrence, when he got a real head coach, he was going to be a franchise quarterback. Even if it's not awesome, it's not like an RG three rookie season, but you can tell they've got their guy. I want the coach. I want the quarterback, the rest of the results in 2023. I really don't care about cause you're on the right path.
4: Yeah. It, we talked about this earlier, right? With the Pacers and the Colts being in similar mindsets, the Mindset Pacers fans had to start the year should be the same that Colts fans do, which is last year was tough. Just tough on a number of different levels. This is not a Lombardi year, but you want growth and you want strides, particularly with your young quarterback. To your point regarding uh, Steichen and his ability to develop other pieces, uh, we uh, discussed yesterday uh, with Dave Spadaro, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and he mentioned other position groups, and he mentioned the running back room that he handles a running back room. Nicely will help develop that as well. Along with the quarterback play. He has a track record twice. Now it's well documented with Herbert and with hurts for me. The first one, this is half a joke. They're going to take quarterback in the draft, but, and Ballard said it jokingly, and then he made a comment during the press conference and oh, all. That's going to be on Twitter. And he's right. It is because he made a joke about trading back during a press conference for your new head coach. When all the franchise wants is a quarterback. Don't even joke about it. Like it's fine if Urze wants to joke about which quarterback they may or may not take, but joking about trading back—that's my mini wish list. Actually, draft a quarterback in the first round this year. That's the first bar. Yeah, easy to clear. Oh yeah, as long as you don't stumble. Oh, Colts fans will be happy. Uh, additionally, I would like a playmaking weapon at wide receiver. Okay. And if if that leads to fun, exciting offense with what they already have with Michael Pittman Jr., with Alec Pierce, who you hope takes another leap, Jelani Woods seems promising. I mean, I I wouldn't be mad at another high-quality tight end, but Jelani Woods seems room for growth. I want them to be fun offensively next year. That's my main objective. Second half is don't take a step back defensively. Whether it's still Gus Bradley or another defensive coordinator, that defense,
5: for a time, was one of the best in football last year. They just didn't have the offense to match it. I like it. You are a needy Colts fan. I like that. You got a few more things on your wish list. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, just a couple more. Yeah. It's like when you were a, a young kid. And your parents said, what do you want for Christmas? And you rattled off nine things. Hey, I might get two things, but you had nine things on your wish list. We talked about
4: betting off the air. If they can win in a couple areas, I can deal with the losses. I'm
5: trying to spread it out so that joy is guaranteed, Brian. That's all I'm looking for. You're looking for a net positive. I get it. Yeah. What I'm most excited about with Steichen is how different the quarterbacks he's had They've been successful. You can't get much different from Philip Rivers to Jalen (laughs) Hurts. And then you mix in Justin Herbert in between, but just stylistically, so different. And so that makes me very optimistic, depending on who they get. there are very different styles. You look at C.J. Stroud, he's not going to be a dynamic runner, ever, but... Bryce Young could be pretty special with his legs in the NFL. We know Anthony Richardson should be special with his legs. So depending on who they get, he should be able to get the best out of that guy. That's exciting to me.
4: My larger thing too, with the pick of a quarterback, and obviously you mentioned a couple names there and Young and Stroud and Richardson Levis is there as well. For me, and this is bad radio, but it, but it's good perspective. I, I get because 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 everybody wants what's your name? Who do you want? Probably Stroud. That's probably who I want. But I'm not going to flip a table oh, unless man. they unless they trade up and do something stupid. Like if they trade up and they go get Levis, then I'll be kind of like because that's been in a mock draft. I've seen that a couple places. Woo. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> that kind of thing would make me mad. But if they stay at four, the quarterback position, and it's to your point about Trevor Lawrence. Yes, you can have elite talent but it is so much also about the staff around you who is helping you develop your system to an extent. That can be the difference between you being a flame-out as a quarterback or having a long and steady
5: NFL career. That's the bigger issue to your point about Steichen. Man, we'll get to the QBs in that breakdown, which we're very much looking forward to because there's some homework. We talk about how exhaustive the coaching search was. I helped the QB search is exhaustiver. You know, I hope it's even more (laughs) exhaustive. All right. Coming up next, Dave Revson from Big Ten Network. We'll have some fun with Dave, see what his thoughts were. Was he throwing things like Jimmy Cook was about (laughs) the officiating last night in the IU game? We will find out. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: Oh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan today. You know, I was just thinking about, we'll get to the quarterbacks a little bit later in the NFL draft, but I was thinking about Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback. You always have these discussions about With the wings you eat. You go blue cheese or ranch. Ranch. I think that Will Levis is like blue cheese. Meaning this. Some people are all for it. Some people are completely against it. And I hear more completely against Will Levis than completely for him. But the point is, he's sort of like a polarizing prospect in the upcoming NFL draft. And whichever side you feel... It's chances are you feel strongly for or against Will Levis. I mean, I,
6: he puts mayo in his coffee.
5: That's crazy. That, that's is that real. That's yes. a real thing. Yeah, and he eats the banana. Rattery blue cheese. He he eats the whole peeling of the banana. Like he doesn't peel like a the potato banana he skin. Just, he like just grabs it and potato. starts biting.
4: Yeah, I did do Indiana there, didn't I? Yeah, man, that's. <laughs> I mean, wow. Is yeah. that is that
5: is, is there is there a nutritional gain from that that we've all been missing out on? I would hope so, because I can't imagine its taste. Cannot imagine its he taste. just puts mayo on it. You're good. Yeah. This roll. We're going to catch up with Dave Revson <laughs> from Big Ten Network here in just a couple of minutes. But going back to last night's game, Jimmy, I was thinking about Northwestern. Northwestern plays as if they're coached by Bill Belichick because they will key in on what you do best or your best player and they won't allow that player to just go freaking ballistic, right? And you saw that last night. You saw it in the last couple of games for Northwestern, who's not strong in the front court, but you saw them with Trace. You saw them against Edie, and they both had almost the same stat line. You had what uh, Trace had 23 last night.
4: It got cleaner, but it was ugly for the first uh, 10 minutes of that game. Yeah. They kept showing whatever he had – I can't remember how many he had, if it was 26 or 28 against Michigan, but they kept showing tonight, two. Right, tonight, yeah. four,
5: Yeah, but got to the free throw line yes. quite a bit and bumped up the the point total right there. But, yeah, 23 for Chase, 24 for Edie. But you saw him almost the same amount of attempts where Trace, I believe, was seven for 11. Zach Edie was seven for 10. But they didn't allow the best player to just go crazy. And I saw Trace being more of a facilitator, more of like, hey, man, they're doubling me. I got to pass it to somebody else.
4: I mean, yes, he he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, maybe he does within the program, but he doesn't get enough credit at the national stage with how efficient and just clean on a rope his passes are. Yeah. And how well he reads those when doubles come.
5: Uh, Hood Shafino with the lob in the final minute, not as precise. That was, was tough. Not as precise because enough. there's been so many highlight plays like that all year. I don't know what happened. I
4: made the joke. It's my favorite one. Uh, whenever players make mistakes like that, he held the A button down too long. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But uh, humble again, and I'll take Robbie's uh, guidance on it because he's as, as as sharp as anybody in the business. He said the lob was there, and I think it
5: was. It just was. the
4: pass was just it absolutely overshot Trace Jackson Davis, which is something. Yeah.
5: Not just by a little, yeah. by like it barely grazed the top of the backboard yep. right there. That was that was a rough one, but close, not quite for IU. But uh, it was insane because you know on on Fox or Big Ten Network last night, how they have the graphics very similar to Fox, and it's just it's striking to me how you have the exact same record, you know, exact same conference record, overall record. IU is fourteen. Northwestern, unranked, and I understand. It's who you play, it's who you be, I get all of that. But it's the same record and it's still different. And that's why, again,
4: I don't pay attention as much to the polls anymore, unless it's for stuff like this, because that, and you know this, that doesn't mean anything to the committee. There's so many other metrics they're looking at. Right. Because at the end of the day, right now record-wise, and yes, I use had a, a bit of a stronger schedule in terms of uh, non-conference areas, but just Strictly speaking, in conference play, Northwestern has been as talented, win-loss, maybe not the roster-wise, but win-loss is Indiana this year. I don't know how many votes Northwestern is getting again. I don't care because they are definitively now, in my mind, a tournament team. Like, if they weren't already, which I think they were a six uh, on some of racketologists like Jerry Palm and Joel are they're, they're, they're a lock to be a tournament team now, in my mind.
5: It really is like college football, where you see the AP poll throughout over half the season, yeah. and then the committee comes out with their playoff poll. All and of a sudden team be,
4: that's 10 is in the playoff. Like, what <laughs> is happening?
5: Totally different, yeah. and that's the same way it is with rankings right now and when the field is unveiled where you might have a ranked team and they are a low seed. Or you could have a team that's very lowly ranked or not even ranked, and they're a higher seed than you would imagine. It's just funny, like – The committee just does their own thing, whether it's basketball or football. And you can never get a clear answer for
4: what matters more to them. Everybody says it all matters equally, whether it's net, whether it's strength schedule. They obviously don't use Ken Palm as much anymore. Net Net has kind of superseded that. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different variables that go into it. I've always wanted to, I don't know if you have, because I'm not like super numbers guy. I've always wanted to go to one of those because they invite people, the media... I don't remember when they do it, but at some point in the year, they take you in and you do a mock selection process. They Mm. show you what goes into it. I've always thought that was really cool. I don't know. Just always been something that on the mini bucket list, things I'd like to do within the sports world is go to one of those seminars and because it is, I think it's around this time of year. We're getting close if it hasn't happened already. You know
5: what I want? I want for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. I want the deliberations to be televised. I want them to do a hard knock style and I want to see footage (laughs) Of the media guy who bangs the table against a player That's awesome. getting inducted. That's what I want to see. Where it's like, nah, he just didn't have enough all pros. I can't say yes on this one. Remember like Charles Haley and, and some of these guys that are like, I'm not in the hall of fame. Now those players hear the arguments against them. That would be entertainment defined. You
4: ever get that feeling where You've never known you wanted something your whole life, but now you do. Yeah. This, this is one of those That's for me. It. I'm right there with you. Hard
5: knock style Hall of Fame deliberations. Let's make it happen. All right, let's welcome in Dave Revson from Big Ten Network joining us here on the fan. Dave, welcome in, man. Hope you're having a great day. Before we get to hoops, we're just talking about things that annoy us. And we were talking about the highway. You know, I'm curious, what annoys Dave Revson the most when you're just driving from point A to point B? The highway annoys you? Could you elaborate? Uh, Just just traffic, yeah, traffic-wise.
7: Oh, traffic annoys you, yeah. So you're asking me from a traffic perspective what annoys me the most? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This seems like a very narrow focus of conversation.
5: It's it's more expansive. I think you're making it narrow, but it's quite expansive, Dave. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm not a big
7: fan of traffic. I I I would like to have. I'm kind of contemplating the world of the self-driving car. Uh-oh. Because I get very, very distracted, and uh, and and bored, and I spend a lot of time driving, right, like back and forth from games and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of of that at all. So I'm with you guys,
4: Dave. We got on this tangent because uh, you don't know this, but I'm an IU alum, and I, I understand. I probably shouldn't be having sour grapes, an IU alum, but I was not happy with. Both sides of the officiating last night of IU Northwestern, particularly how the game ended, that went into pet peeves, and and that, and then we're at traffic. So that's that's, that's how we got there. <laughs> oh, Okay,
7: all right. So it's, it was a broader discussion. Yeah, yeah j- yes, right. we're very sophisticated. It, it, here. It's wide, wide ranging between Big Ten officiating and traffic.
5: Yes, we we did. Oh, okay, we did kind of shoehorn in there the meaning of life <laughs> along the way, Dave. So it was. Holy cow! We covered a lot of bases Ooh. over there. All um, right. Yeah. Uh, Just general thoughts of the game last night. What did you think about IU? Really tough first half, only 20 points, battled all the way back, didn't go their way in the final seconds. What was your overall view of how they played and how it went down?
7: It it just seemed like they weren't ready to play last night in the first half, which was a little bit strange. Uh, Northwestern really took it to them. Look, Northwestern's going to be very physical on defense. I mean, that's just kind of the way that they can win. Um, and it really seemed to fluster IU. I thought in the first half, the, those hard doubles. TJD didn't respond particularly well to them. I mean, honestly, it could have been like a thirty-point game in the first half. I mean, Northwestern has so many open threes, really, throughout the game. They did so. I, I we were talking to halftime off the air, but I think we kind of implied it on the air. Like Indiana was fortunate to be down nineteen. They really were. Uh, but then, you know, came out like game busters in the second half. I thought they made a really good adjustment where they started, they initiated TJD further away from the basket, like got him the ball further from the basket. And I think that kind of negated some of those hard double teams from Northwestern, right? Whereas it, you, it, it just, it's harder to, to double him up, you know, 12 feet away than it is right around the basket because there's just so many different ways that he can hurt you. And he had some, a couple nice passes, a couple I remember, Ray Thompson in particular. So it felt like Indiana kind of figured it out in the second half and, and obviously made a great game of it, came all the way back. Um, but, yeah, to me, like my takeaway on it was it, it just didn't feel like IU was ready to go, and, and that ended up costing them.
4: Dave Revson, nice enough to take some time with us via the Motor Shop and Fisher's Hotline and the MotorShop.com. Dave, I, I want you to you you're a you're a Big 10 savant. You're you're one of the founding voices on the Big 10 network. I I, I want to get your thoughts on this and you talk me off the ledge because not from an IU perspective, but large-scale Big 10. You mentioned the physicality of Northwestern. And I understand there's a larger mix of of why Big 10 teams haven't had the success that we'd like to see out of the conference in the tournament. There's many reasons, and also the tournament is, is a total, uh, it's a mixed bag of what you're going to get, right? It is it is what it is, a single elimination tournament. You know that. You mentioned the physicality of Northwestern, though. The Big Ten, the way that I feel like it is on a nightly basis, the way it's been the last 20, 25 years, it's so physical, and I feel like more is let go on a nightly basis in conference that it contributes to when you get to the big dance to a sense that teams are not ready for the, way. oh, that's, that's a foul now? We, we can't play that physical anymore on that side of the ball. Am I wrong on that and thinking that's a larger issue to at least a contributing factor for early exits for the big 10? Am I crazy? Or is that not that far off?
7: All right. So I don't necessarily buy this notion of early exits for the big 10. And you could say, well, you know, wait a minute, the last couple of years have been bad. And the last couple of years have been bad, but the last couple of years are really not indicative of what has happened more broadly Within the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament. In fact, going into last year, dating back to Michigan State's national championship, which obviously is a long time ago, like the national championship drought is very real and we can get into that. But going into last year, the Big Ten was tied with the ACC for the most Final Fours in that period since Michigan State won the national championship at the beginning of this century. So they have gotten teams to the precipice. They had seven teams play for the national championship in that span, including several who, you know, I kind of think were the better team when they got there, just didn't win the game. So again, I like, I understand they haven't won a national championship and, and it's crazy to see it. And I I'm, remain hopeful every year that this will be the year that it changes but I don't really accept the premise that the Big Ten hasn't done well in the tournament other than the last two years. Like, the last two years have been really bad. But the conference has been physical for a long time. Right. Like, that's not something that has changed here in the last couple of years. I just think for whatever reason, the last couple of years, you know, there have been bad matchups. I think in the, the year where the whole thing was in the bubble, I honestly just think the Big Ten teams were in Indy for too long. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but like they literally were all in the same hotel from the beginning of the big 10 tournament through the NCAA tournament. And I think like a lot of them were just going stir crazy. And, and I understand everyone else was in the bubble too, but they had at least been able to travel from their conference tournament. And then last year, you know, just kind of what happened, happened. And, and there were each is a unique circumstance, but, but so that would be my take on it. I, the big 10 is a physical league. It's always going to be a physical league. It's just kind of its brand of basketball but its brand of basketball has been very successful outside of winning a national championship.
5: He's Dave Revson from Big Ten Network joining us here on The Fan. You know, you talk about winning championships, and it leads me to what do you think I use ceiling, the absolute ceiling is for them come tournament time? I don't
7: know. I, I just think the, the. I'm not trying to – back out of this question or dodge in any way, but I just think the tournament is so dependent on who you are playing and, and it's so matchup specific. I mean, they're gonna have the best player on the court basically in any game they play. I mean, I think Trace Jackson Davis is that good. Again, I I understand I'm biased. I watch much more Big Ten basketball than than other leagues, so I certainly try to watch as much as I can but, you know, the Big Ten plays virtually every night, and that's my job to talk about those games. And, and so I watch a lot of it. But yeah, you look at, like, the Ken Palm, right? Uh, Trey Jackson Davis is the, his number two ranked player in the country, or at least was going into last night's game. I, I don't know why anything would have changed last night. He nearly got a triple-double. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're always going to have the best guy in the court. I, I think Chafino is really, really good. I worry about not having ancillary players who they can depend on on a night in and night out basis. I mean, I, I do think that's hard. You say, well, if someone takes away TJD, it's just easier said than done to take away TJD. So, is there a ceiling on IU? I don't know. I mean, they beat Purdue, who's going to be the number one overall seed. I, I think they're a really, really good team. Um, you know, can they? I, like to me, they can easily be a Final Four team. I kind of understand why not, but they could also lose you know, in the second round. I mean, I think that's just kind of the vagaries of the tournament and and it's so dependent on on who you play. But I, I think Indiana's really, really good when they're at their best.
4: Dave, you mentioned Purdue. I've gotten some different requests in my mentions regarding uh, Purdue basketball and and questions about the way Zach Eadie is officiated. Uh, The most recent one that I've been getting is when he's lined up in the middle of the free throw lane on a free throw. Defenders are are wrapping arms or locking arms with him to prevent him from getting rebounds. Uh, In general, your overall thoughts on the way Zach Eadie is officiated and if you think that that he is sometimes penalized for how big and, and, and strong he is on the field or on the court rather.
7: Stephen Bardo and I talked about this on the Northwestern-Purdue game on Sunday, which, which I had the call for. He is a really tough guy to officiate when you talk to refs. And I'm like, I get it. That's their job, right? I mean, we all have tough aspects of our sure. job. And say, Man, this is really hard. It's like, okay, well, that's what you're paid to do. So figure out a way to do it. But I, I do think it's just kind of uniquely challenging because he is so much bigger than everyone else we did show at one point the kind of welts on his arm on Sunday. I don't know if you guys were watching, but uh, you know, again, whether those were from, they actually looked like maybe they'd been there for a while, but I don't know if they actually had happened on Sunday, but I do think it kind of points out like, yes, he takes a lot of abuse. He, he also like, he is really big. And, and I think that he kind of also dishes out some, some abuse. So, I don't know. Again, I, I empathize with officials. I, I I do think it's really tough. I mean, I know like last night, you know, was was the last play, uh, a, a push off. Um, I was hot, Dave. U-Boo-y. I was hot. You, you know, <laughs> I mean, but again, like you can you can look at like an obvious missed goaltend yeah, yeah, earlier in the yep. game that then led to a three pointer. Like that's a five point swing yep. right there, right yep. on, on a blown call. Like there are blown calls all over the game. I I don't know. I don't really think you can call that at that point, but, but who knows? I just think it's hard. Like I think officiating is hard and and sometimes you look at the replay and it's like, wow, that is not what I in, in real time. So I'm not making excuses. I I just think it's really, really challenging. And like, like the only thing that you can do against Zach Eadie is try to be as physical as you can, because otherwise, like it's, it's over. If he gets deep post position, it's over. Yeah. Right. Like you're dead. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not making excuses for anyone. I'm just saying it, it's harder than it seems from our, whether it's from my seat at, at mid-quarter in the studio or from anyone else's seat at, at home in front of their 60-inch television. Like, I, I just, it is a very challenging job. Now, they got to figure it out. But um, I, I, I guess I'm not saying that he's appreciated differently. He is different. And that makes the officiating challenging.
5: You know, Dave, I was just thinking about a lot of the questions that we ask and you get. It's all about who's the best, who's going to do what come tournament time, who's chasing a championship. That's all cool, but just entertainment-wise, I think sometimes we just forget about entertainment. Which Big Ten team, good, bad, in the middle, what have you, are you just flat out most entertained by?
7: Well, I think Iowa's maybe the most fun team to watch in the Big Ten when they've really got it rolling. They've obviously been much better at home this year than they have been on the road. I just like their style. I mean, they are different in some ways from a lot of Big Ten teams because they're a little bit more free-flowing on offense because they play at a little bit faster pace. So I guess if I had to pick one, I would choose them. But I think the great thing about the Big Ten and and what I've come to really appreciate is the adaptability of some of these different programs. So I think in past years you might have said Michigan State because they were a little bit more up-tempo and and free-flowing of a team, but Tom doesn't really have a team that can do that this year. And so he has adapted his style. I think the identities of teams are part of what makes them fun. So in other words, to see this Rutgers team over the last few years create an identity is – as a real good defensive team that has a great home court advantage, Northwestern trying to do that this year. Like that's kind of the beauty of it. But if you're just asking me, kind of from the pure aesthetic standpoint of it, I, I really I love watching Iowa play when they've got it rolling.
4: Dave, last question on my end, kind of a two parter regarding Northwestern. It, it appears by all accounts they've proven they're for real over this stretch and their wins over top twenty five opponent after top twenty five opponent. I know it depends on draw. Um, but, but where are your expectations for them with, with where they can go in the tournament? And then also, it, with how well they've been and, and just the incredible run underneath Coach Collins, is he going to be a, an easy-named candidate a, a, a to be potentially plucked? Uh, so, I mean, obviously, you have buyouts and stuff in that regard, too. But could he be plucked somewhere else after this offseason?
7: Huh. That's interesting. I hadn't really considered that. I mean, you know, he's obviously was on the hot seat. He's had some some really lean years here in right. in recent years since they made the NCAA tournament. He's done a, a fabulous job with this team, and I just don't think there's any doubt he's the Big Ten Coach of the Year. I mean, I said this on the game Sunday, they were picked 13th in the Big Ten except for by the people who picked them 14th, and here they are alone in second place now more than halfway through February. So I think he's done a remarkable job. I, I'd be very Surprised? Where I mean, I you know, I guess like Notre Dame's open. I mean, you know, maybe that's a a job where someone would consider him. I, I I think he's a really good coach. I think Northwestern's a hard job. Um, you know, again, I think there was some question going into this year about whether he'd be back in yeah. in Evanston on their you know kind of as their decision. I, I'd be surprised if if he's not back there next year and and you know have some sort of a long term deal. I think he's happy. He's, his son's a student there. He's from Chicago. I mean, it just feels like it's it's a really good fit. Now I think it gives him an opportunity to do what they kind of failed to do the last time they made the tournament, and that's see some of the momentum and, and figure out a way now that the arena's built and, and they've created an atmosphere. So so I had to really consider that part of it. As far as where they can go in the tournament, I mean, they're very good defensively, and I do think that, that defense travels. They are a not a good shooting team. And uh, and I just think that's kind of a limiting factor. They really have to figure out a way to get Robbie Barron or Ty Berry going. I mean, those guys were essentially left open by Indiana last night. Just And, and a lot of it is the attention that's paid to to Bowie and Adige. But, you know, they had tons of open looks and just couldn't hit them. The same thing against Purdue, and they don't really have a low post presence. I mean, Matthew Nicholson's fabulous defensively. He's trying to develop a... A low post game, but for all intents and purposes, he's a freshman and because uh, he played so sparingly in the last two years. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, could, could they be a team that wins a couple games? I, I think they could be, but it, I just think it depends so much on yeah. who they end up matched up with.
5: Hey, Dave, appreciate the time, man. Great stuff. Hope you have a good day, and we'll catch you on Saturday doing the Ohio State-Wisconsin uh, game for sure.
7: Uh, yeah, Penn State. Penn State-Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one on Saturday, and uh, thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks, be Thanks, Brian. Take care, guys. Yeah, you, Dave.
5: you too. There he is. Dave Revson, Big Ten Network, joining us here on The Fan. And yeah, uh, not exactly lights out from three last night. Was uh, Northwestern, eight for 33. That'd be a 24% clip from distance. It,
4: it was That's one sad. of those moments where I almost would have rather, because they were, they were so bad, particularly the second half, <laughs> where I almost would have rather them sent a double to Bowie earlier than they did, but again, it's, it's, it's split second stuff. I'm not worried about Indiana. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, you can't help but tip your cap a little bit for what Northwestern has done, even though, again, they've broken some hearts in the state of Indiana the last two weeks, but you tip the cap and it's a conference team that throughout their history, not a lot of high level success. So you be happy for them and ultimately see what they can do in the tournament. But to Dave's point, I get it. Like it's, You don't want to dodge the question, but so much of it comes down to... Like, it would be... To your draw. It would be so easy to sit here and say, like, Purdue, Matt Painter has consistency every regular season. Go do it in the tournament. I need to see a deep... I need to see a Final Four run. That's easy to say, but so much of it is matchup dependent. So much of it is... I mean, once you get in the tournament, as you go game by game, then it's high-quality coaching. You expect them to have a scout. You expect them to have the right report ready to go. But now... February 16th when we're still about a month away from the big dance it's tough to have that statement without knowing what the path looks like
5: somewhat somewhat but man when you are the number 1 team for a bulk of the season and you're number 1 overall and you've got a 7-3 guy yeah it's like at some point you enter Rick Barnes territory <laughs> yeah, sure so you just getting <laughs> to the tournament and that really going through the tournament, not... Expectation... Again, Purdue... And we, we This has been joked about throughout time
4: between IU fans and Purdue fans. Purdue fans are always looking for for when the uh, big grand piano is going to drop on them, right? Like, they're always waiting yeah. for disaster to strike. But... And this is probably not a Purdue fan mentality, but if I was a Purdue fan, and let's say I'm younger, and I don't have as much of that scar tissue, I am sky's the limit. This is a Final Four caliber team... They need to get there. I'm going to be a little disappointed. And that would be fair. But yeah. there's a lot of older Purdue fans where, again, I get it. There's a lot of scar tissue. Even the last five years, even last year with St. Peter's, I get it. I get the cautious optimism. Yeah. But as a number one overall seed, right? you're going to have the easiest path available to you in theory.
5: Absolutely. And that's one of those things where it's almost like Gonzaga, you know? Yeah. Like Gonzaga at one time... It was wow. They're advancing. Look at look at the zags over, and now it's expected. And I think that Purdue, they were kind of like old Gonzaga, right? Sure. Like, it's like all right, well, you matchups, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, and now it's like they should be new Gonzaga this season. It should be expected that they advance far.
4: And Lord knows they have the resources to do it, right? Like your your overall comparison is about the strides they've made in the tournament and where their program was prior to that success versus resources. Sure. Matt Painter has all those. Oh, again, yeah. Not that Mark Few doesn't. He's he's built a, a powerhouse there, but it's the Big Ten. And it, it, it's always going to win out at the end of the day, and it's Purdue. However, to your point, yeah, it, it, you've become spoiled a little bit to a point where now it's like, man, that's the third time in the last five years that better guard play has gotten us or, yeah. or we've gotten right. a, a beat late by a, a Cinderella team. So, yeah, I, I think that if you are... If you're a, a, a either a, a neutral or you are a Purdue fan that doesn't have all that scar tissue, I would have more pump the chest. Like, yes, this is sure. a team
5: that I'm ready to make a deep run and get to the Final Four. I, I think it's... Look, I'm from South Bend. So I I grew up on Notre Dame football. Okay? I have so, a reversible jacket. I own that. My grandpa went to Notre Dame. I, there, I feel you. Jimmy Cook. Yep, My man. Crossing, crossing paths right there. <laughs> That's what, we just did the whole... like <laughs> bro a broad, hug exactly. right here. Yep. Yeah, but look, man. There are a lot of loony Notre Dame fans that are expecting national championships each and every year, and it makes zero sense a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. As a diehard Notre Dame fan, I'd be the first one to tell you that. But the flip side of that is, I think there's something wrong at times with not having high expectations. If you've got the goods, if you have a lot of strengths, and yet you still don't have high expectations, what's the deal there? I, I don't understand when... You have if we're playing Texas Hold'em and you've got the better starting hand and you have lesser expectations than your opponent, like what are you doing? Yeah, why, why are you doing to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, I think that's where Purdue is right now. I think you should have high expectations. I think it should be Final Four or Bust. And
4: I'm sure if you gave Matt Painter, I know you gave Matt Painter true serum, he feels that way. I'm sure the players feel that way. I'm sure the athletic department feels that way. But I I again there's so much whether you want to do it, call it Cubs fans, whatever you want to call it, yeah. the Boilermakers have that just as much as as any other team that's had their heartbreak or struggles within the Big Dance. But yeah, you just hope that eventually, and the Zags didn't do it, but they got darn close twice. You hope they're going to break through, and it, it just it has not happened yet for Matt Painter's group.
5: Yeah, well, this could be the year. Mm-hmm. We shall see. All right, we got a lot to get to. Uh we got to get to the mood lighting in the studio. Very nice. Very beautiful right here. I was gonna,
4: just, it got dark and then these just, lights I, I, became I, I,
5: it's like a restaurant. Like, like I, I,
4: Revson was just uh, talking sweet I, I, sweet nothing's about I looked the Big over Ten.
5: I, yep. I heard like a violin in the background. <laughs> I'm like, "What happened with the lights over here? We got to get to that also." We'll get to some sports here. Man, you talk about being prisoner of the moment. This is a great example of it. I'm not sure you're going to agree. Okay. But I'm going to lay out my stance for you right around the corner. I'm Brian though, He's Jimmy Cook. Keep it locked right here. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
0: Oh, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: And we might have verbal fisticuffs here. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. He texted me yesterday. I'm busy right now. No, I can't talk to you. <laughs> but in the other messages that he sent me, it was, I'm a Chiefs fan. And then it was followed by, I'm busy. Leave me alone.
4: Can I save face in 30 seconds or less? <laughs> sure. There, there, we, we're, we're through a process of of we're, we're, we're having different voices on the fan over the last two months. And for the second time, I was over at the same friend's house watching a sporting event and a co and. I saw your text. I'm like, it happened again. Like, so I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I've watched the first half that you game. Do you mind if we uh, do this at halftime? So,
5: no, it's all good, man. I'm just giving you a hard I know time. You are, it's all, but- it's all good. But uh, you are a Chiefs fan. I am. Okay. I made it
4: abundantly clear for the audience. I and apologize. So I
5: think this is the perfect. I could not. I could not have concocted this any better. Oh. Okay. Because the Chiefs had their. Championship celebration yesterday. They, did. they had their rally. We've got NFL Network on in the studio. We're watching it. All these Chiefs fans going crazy. There's Andy Reid. There's Big Red. Just How, about, How those? about those Chiefs? Gotta love it. Yep. Yeah, yep. gotta yep. have that yep. in there. <laughs> and uh, I-, I wanted to circle back to something that Ryan Clark at ESPN said.
4: Oh, you're entering dangerous waters. Because Clark has had some wild takes about the
5: Chiefs over the last hey, two years. Go ahead. And I do... I preface this, I love Ryan Clark. I think he's bright. I think he's got some really smart things to say. I don't agree with everything. This is one thing I passionately disagree with. Here is Ryan Clark on SportsCenter with SVP. To me,
3: Patrick Mahomes is already top three all time. You're going to include him in conversations with Joe Montana
5: and Tom Brady. What? What are we talking about here? Top three all time. We've got him already up there with the goat and Joe Montana. Could I, I don't know. I'm just looking out over here. Where, Where am I right? Oh, I see. I see the big circle right outside. Oh, we're in the heart of Indianapolis over here. There is a man who wet himself numerous times in the playoffs. I'm not saying he walks on water over here, but there's a man named Peyton Manning that Patrick Mahomes is certainly on the right track to pass him eventually. To make it sound like he's already done that, if Mahomes in that championship celebration just said, you know what, guys, I'm good, I've won two Super Bowls already. Two MVPs. I'm just going to go do something else. I retire. He's a Hall of Famer tomorrow.
4: Absolutely he and, is. And, and Peyton said as much that because because a TMZ reporter hounded him about it. For sure. Poor athletes getting just yeah. trying to catch a cab. Hey, you think
5: Mahomes? <laughs> yeah, of the course of he's a Hall of Famer right now. But but go on. that's not what Ryan Clark said. He didn't say sure. he's a Hall of Famer today. He said he's top three already. That is absurd. That is prisoner of the moment defined. And although Mahomes is outstanding that's the only thing with these comparisons where it sounds like you're dogging the other guy I'm not I'm just saying there's something to be said for longevity there's something to be said for Peyton Manning throwing for over 70,000 yards and doing it for as long as he did Mahomes has been brilliant it's been six years he's been in the NFL he hasn't surpassed Peyton Manning yet sorry so
4: a couple things with this first off uh, not, I mean, it's great radio. Not very happy with you uh, putting me against the city of Indianapolis here. <laughs> they already beat the Chiefs in week three. We hung a banner. Everybody had a good time. But here we are now in this boat. Um, Best team in the National Football League, Jimmy. Indeed. Hang the banner. Uh, a transitive property. Super Bowl champions.
6: Um, oh, by the way, why is this a rebuilding year? I, I, I,
4: exactly. Where is this coming from? Exact. D- there's no where. I will pull it up for you in the break. And, then that, and then that, you're, this is a bad idea because it. it Shane Steiger just hired a couple days ago. Don't bring me in the weeds there because <laughs> multiple people every year pick the Charters to win the West. This is the year the Charters make it. Russell Wilson but, is but in Denver. You're the third Devontae highest Adams, odds on
6: favorite to win the whole
4: league. That's not, that's not what and a the guy favorite like Travis Kelly talking about.
6: No, talking about Holmes said this yesterday. Holmes
4: said it yesterday. And it, if you go look at either talking point pieces or articles covering the team, I'm not talking about Vegas odds. Because, yes, you're right on that. They were. They were third or fourth favorite to win the whole thing and probably still were the betting favorite to win the division. It was much closer than it had been in years past. But, yes, any talking point piece or even, I'm sure you could find a Ryan Clark soundbite talking uh-huh. about it, too. Uh-huh. That's what ESPN does See, nowadays. I like this. Is they talk about whatever's hot and whatever will stoke the fire uh-huh. because no yeah. more than last year. Patrick Mahomes is washed. Patrick Mahomes is in trouble. I like it from Ryan Clark. I like it. You are in
5: mama bear mode. You are protecting. <laughs> I am. I'm protecting your Chiefs cub over here. You I are. Think that's a little
6: blasphemous. I don't think anyone said Patrick Mahomes was washed.
5: I might be over exaggerating
4: slightly, but it was annoying enough that it is the talking head pundit cycle of where's the wind blowing. What will get the most traction and clicks at that time when Kansas City was struggling? It was uh, maybe Mahomes doesn't have it. Maybe we're too close to crowning. Okay, And now it is third of all time. To be clear, it's tough for me and tough for the audience to feel like I'm giving an objective answer because I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't need objectivity. I, I right, want entertainment. I won't, give, I won't give you objectivity then. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, no, this is a dangerous route. <laughs> prior to Mahomes coming in, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen play the position always thought that he makes throws I've never seen another Aaron Rodgers
5: is so overrated it's not even funny can I get to the Ooh, second half yes Ooh. yeah we'll, we'll circle back to that one
4: he 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 was my it wasn't Brady wasn't Manning and for a while I was team Manning over Brady in that run uh, until Brady did what he did in the second half of his career it's it's, mm. it's tough to have an argument do I think he's top three no, I, I think that's probably too early. And I also hate legacy talks because he's only 27. That's exactly. Let it build. Right. Let it breathe. Yeah. I don't need to know that he is. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to him because no one knows this name. But uh, a local host in Kansas City, his name is Joshua Briscoe. He gave a comment that is not hyperbole. It's not too much for the moment. I would. He's a Mount Rushmore quarterback for me right now.
5: Oh, that's crazy. He's
4: there. No, no, that, that's not saying he's the best yeah. ever. He's either right there or he's in that conversation. For me, he's there.
5: He he he's a Mount Rushmore quarterback for me. If he's Mount Rushmore, you're saying he's at worst top four all time already. Am I
4: banking on even if it's not Super Bowls, if it's a couple more MVPs? Am I banking no, on no
5: more, no more, a couple more, no more, nothing? We're saying his career ends now. He's already he gets the snowboarding there. Accident. For
4: for for me personally, yes, he's 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 on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. He gets okay. in a
6: snowboarding accident tomorrow, Jimmy. Career's over. That's uh, uh, nice.
4: Does he, uh, <laughs> is he also seen wandering Kansas City during a national championship game uh, just uh, trying but, to live his life? Is that but it But that's, that's
5: the thing is we can't really wrap our mind around if it ended today. Sure. Like he just walks away. He's retired, never comes back again. He's already two top m- three, top four already?
4: Two, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, and the numbers that he had. Again, there'll be a lot of what ifs to that conversation, but... If someone looked at me and said he is the visually, not from a number standpoint, visually the things he does, the way he extends plays, the throws he makes, whether it's sidearmed, whether it's just somehow on one leg okay. and still throwing at fifty yards downfield, right? If somebody told
5: me he's the best player I've ever seen, I'm not going to hear an argument about it. But that's the difference away from the visual thing. And I agree sure. with you; he's majestic. He's ridiculous. but if it's accolades, but, but it's right. It's and it's not just visual. What's the benchmark? Look at it like this. What are you getting? What are you getting? So if you look at Peyton Manning, I'll just throw out a name. Peyton Manning. What you got from Peyton Manning. You got 17 years. You got over 71,000 passing yards. You got... a. 539 touchdown passes. Like Mahomes, as great as he is, he's thrown 192. That's why it's insane to have legacy arguments already. And, and
4: I'm in agreement with you on that, which again, just to be clear, not to totally throw you under the bus, but that's why that was not on my show outline today because I knew this would happen because I'm either supposed to a not defend Mahomes and be a bad fan or or B, defend Mahomes, and then it comes off as, oh, local talk show host blasphemes (laughs) against the greatest athlete that's ever uh, walked the streets of this city, which I never would. No, Both can be true. I can say I think Mahomes is better and also tell you that Peyton Manning is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. Like, I can have that belief, and that's fine. I'm not saying, oh, no, Peyton was garbage. Absolutely not. Right. Peyton is one of the most accomplished quarterbacks to ever play. That's why, to your point, I hate the legacy talk, because his career is not done. Yeah. But if you back me into a corner, I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen play the position.
5: I do. But but that's that's a different argument than what have you gotten And from that's what I'm asking Mahomes you. What versus... matters more to you? Because if it's rings, right. let's sit here and be honest.
4: Yeah. He's never getting there. Wins no, in my mind, got, no. win, wins are not a quarterback stat in my mind. It is a team game. Does that mean that Brady didn't make great plays in all those Super Bowls? Of course he did. But a lot of it is circumstance. He's never going to get there. They might, like, genuinely, this league is so hard, they might never get there again. Colts fans feel the same way right now. They just want a quarterback, but the overall thought when you don't have that QB for Colts fans right now is, will we ever win another game? Will we ever win the South? And then your expectations build up. But realistically realistically speaking, what the Chiefs are doing right now, what the Patriots did uh, the decade before, it's not normal place in this league. So that's why rings are... If that's the conversation, if that's the table... Is rings well? But it's Brady, Brady's Brady's and that's it. Brady's it's it. in a it's it. he's in a league he's of his the greatest own. Of all time. Right,
5: it. and then it's Montana, and then you get to sure. you know the other two spots. If you're talking Mount Rushmore, I didn't know we were doing Mount Rushmore. Here, I didn't mean but, to do that, but, but, but I felt like you're that good. was better. Yeah, than, good. Than, good. No, no, but what what it comes back to is ultimately it is. Prisoner of the moment defined. It was, we just saw Mahomes win again on the biggest stage. He's done this before. Therefore, That's the other thing. he has he, the body of work. He he's has come back winning. He has signature playoff moments. It's insane. You know, like when I watch the Pacers and they're playing the national anthem and they show the, <laughs> the, sh- the chair, right? And it's yeah. prisoner of war, missing yeah. in action. My, my dad was in Vietnam. So sure. I love that. I love that they do that. I've got an idea. Prisoner of the moment. I want another chair, another chair in the Pacers arena behind the vending booth right there with the biggest beam right in front of the chair because that's the view prisoner of the moment should have. It should be the worst seat in the house. But it happens all the time. It's you just—it's total knee-jerk reaction mode. Peyton Manning has over 300 more touchdown passes than Mahomes, and Mahomes has passed them with the same number of rings? It's insane.
4: Let's entertain the idea that he's healthy and he plays – he will. Okay. He will but surpass him. That, he hasn't and, and, yet. And, and, yeah. and that's that's the fine line because it's... I feel like you maybe inadvertently are treating it like we're talking about if Zach Wilson had had one great season and I know that's a bad example right. but he's bad, right? Like That's <laughs> right. pretty consensus around the league. Or like if Baker Mayfield suddenly won a Super Bowl and he had a great year where he led the league in passing yards. If after one blip in the uh-huh. radar, you're like, oh, he's the greatest of all time. That's knee <laughs> For me... Is it is this still knee-jerk? Yes, yes. but it, it is to a point that he's going to I I feel if you could bet me a futures oh. bet, we're oh. all gamblers, is he gonna pass oh. Manning and passing yards and Absolute. Manning and touchdowns? Well, I
5: don't know about that, but I don't think he'll get to Brady. Will he have but, a but will he have a better legacy than Peyton yeah. Manning? Absolutely I'd bet I, everything I, I, I own I, right I, now. But yes,
4: that's why I hate the legacy conversation because A, it irks people, B, you tick off a number of different fan bases inadvertently, <laughs> and C, the crew's not done.
5: That's the crux of sports radio, Which is why Jimmy. I hate it, but I love it. I hate it, but I love it. It's like p 90 Yeah, that's why you go to your Twitter feed and you're like, oh my gosh, yep. I need a vacation. That's what it's built on right there. No doubt about it. All right, we got a lot to do. Peyton's still awesome. Don't, don't get my mentions. You hate don't Peyton hate Manning. We've finally unearthed <laughs> I, I that I watch today. all Peyton's places. Don't get mad at me. I watch the Manning cast. Very good job he does on that. Oh, Very awesome. entertaining. Very well done. Okay, coming up next, the uh, former teammate that called Buddy Healed an a-hole and it's a compliment. That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He is Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Eddie, you got it? Whether it's
0: audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your
5: doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Any Slayer over there? You got any like Lamb of God? Any heavy metal stuff? I can give it to you. Okay. All right. Look forward to that. What do you get down with there, Jimmy Cook? What what kind of uh It's it's a bit of a smorgasbord. Yeah. I love, love hip hop. You put uh, the H in smorgasbord. I go smorgasbord. I'm not saying you're wrong, I do, but it's kind of like do a do tomato. Tomato. Yes. You go smorgasbord. Yeah. And
4: and I and uh, I've never realized that that is a tomato. Tomato. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I do. I put the H. So I, I have a little smorgasbord of uh, <laughs> of musical taste. Um, everything from. Uh, A little hip-hop and rap is on there. I I love a good, catchy, uh, get-stuck-in-your-head pop tune. I I love some mainstream stuff, but then, and I've said this on the show before, uh, my... Late father was born in 1930, so I have a lot of Sinatra, a lot of Dean Martin, a lot of, okay, a lot nice. of Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of oldies on there, too. Good little blend.
5: There you go. What about you? You mentioned heavy metal there. You Heavy metal is my go-to. Go-to? Okay. I, nothing moves me like heavy metal <laughs> does, awesome. but I'm very eclectic. Like uh, My minor, I went to Ball State, was the college I went to. My minor was classical guitar. That's awesome. That's what I minored in, you know, where you so have to cool. have the little stool or for your foot. I don't know what they're called, but yeah, you got to do the whole I'm thing. I'm nodding like I know, but I have no
4: idea, but that, sure, I,
5: I got you. Yeah, the little the little <laughs> foot rest or whatever. Like you gotta be very official when you, you play classical guitar. Okay, so one of Buddy Heald's teammates, his ex-teammates, gave him a great compliment. He called him an a-hole. <laughs> okay, now this is a mind shumpert. Listen to it, cause we play this because Buddy Heald just surpassed Reggie Miller for the single season Pacers record, most three pointers made. So Is he better than Reggie? See, that's knee That's a ah, right there. Yeah, be like, We'll, circle back, that. we'll circle back to that. We'll circle back to that. But this is Amon Shumpert, former teammate with the Kings. What he had to say about Buddy Heald. Check this out.
2: Buddy Heald is what I'm talking about when I say a complete ass and not an ass with how he takes direction or anything like that, but an ass in the regard that I could look you in the eye, Buddy, and say, do not shoot this shot. I don't care how open it is. Don't shoot this shot. When I throw it to him, if a mother ain't in his face all over him. He's shooting it. He's shooting it. Yeah. Because no no amount of pressure, no side bet, it ain't nothing that could go on in his mind that make him feel like he's about to miss this shot. He is completely invested in saying, I've never missed a shot in my life. And I love it.
5: That's awesome. That's on the Bootleg Kev podcast. Amon Shumpert giving some... Major props to Buddy Heald. And look, man, props to Eddie Garrison. He was doing all this crack research before the show started. And it is fascinating how much the game has changed from Reggie's era to Buddy Heald's era. And this is not to take any shine away from Buddy Heald whatsoever. It's just a different game. Threes are being shot at a much more uh, rapid rate. It's crazy how many things have changed between Reggie and uh, Buddy Heald where Some of the stats here, the amount of times... Buddy Heald last night, he was 6 for 10 from three-point range. And so I just started a conversation before the show started. Hey, how many times had Reggie Miller shot 10 threes in a game? And so Reggie Miller, out of nearly 1,400 games played, he did that 64 times where he attempted (laughs) 10 three-pointers. Buddy Heald... As, again, Eddie did all this research, props to him, 42 times just as a pacer he's done that. In 86 games, Buddy Heald has done that 42 times where he's attempted 10 three-pointers. That is nearing what Reggie Miller did for an entire career. So it's just a completely different game. And, again, I want to restate it. Not to take Shine away from Buddy. He's worked very hard. He is a very, very good three-point shooter. It's just a completely different game now, that's all.
4: And... Reggie would say this as he said it when Ray Allen surpassed him and when Steph Curry subsequently surpassed him. That is part of the whole records are made to be broken type conversation where... You can't imagine during your playing days, oh, I wonder what the league's going to be like in 30 years. Like, right? A player's not thinking yeah, about that right sure. now. But yeah, it's a, a, to your point, not taking anything away from Buddy because that's life. Uh, areas evolve across the board in life and in the sports world is just the same. Offensive innovations, defensive innovate, whatever you want to go with. Right now it's an offensive swing within the NBA and within the trickle-down effect of college hoops. But to that larger point, somebody like, I didn't, hadn't really thought about it until yesterday, I was watching Pacers uh, and bulls, and somebody's like, man, I can't believe he already broke it. There's 20 games left, and at first, I kind of looked at him because I, I love the NBA, and I was like, well, I mean, it's a different style. But Then you sit and think about it. Yeah, that is, it is crazy. Not that he passed him, but just how much the game has totally, even off of a 20-year sample size, completely done a 180 for what matters.
5: And that is, that's a great example of it can be both. Sure, you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit of nuanced thing. We live in this black and white world it seems like especially in the sports world where if you're not saying buddy's awesome it's not about era like you can say both things buddy healed has done a great great job and the era is totally different with the amount of threes that are being shot like both things are true we were just discussing
4: with that point about records and if they could be broken or not Regardless of style of play, and I guess this is one that maybe this is a, another save, Eddie. Save it for a cold take. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike Chapel talked about this earlier in the week, I think, uh, on Twitter um, at mchapel 51 But I really, genuinely don't think Emmett Smith's record's ever going to get broken. Really? That is one I feel
5: locked into. Ooh, interesting. Because... Two-headed monsters, you know, right? It, you...
4: Running backs don't have that kind of longevity yeah. anymore to even get there. And, and and I know people said the same thing with when Walter Payton had, like, oh, it's never going to get. The closest in the last 15 years has been Frank Gore, who still somehow eked out and, and was on the back right, end of that right, last right. age of running backs going to play until they can't move Much anymore. Much more passing league. Uh, yes. Yeah.
5: Uh, Adrian Peterson and Damian Thompson. I like Because like, there are some records that are so far out, like, no one's breaking insert the blank yep. here and like, nobody pay- the most wins in baseball right. for a starting pitcher Like some of that stuff's unreachable but that is a reachable record that probably will not be reached for a number of different reasons yeah. running backs don't last as
4: long teams do not value running backs sure. as long payment wise yeah just across the board that's one that unless there's a major shift in the way running backs are treated I, I don't know it's ever going to
5: get snapped. Yeah, oh, that's an interesting uh, comment right there there he is uh, Jimmy Cook I'm Brian No, coming up next We'll talk to Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Keep it locked right here. 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Oh, what's- Whether it's
0: audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. I'm Brian Though no. He's Jimmy Cook. We want to welcome in Matt Taylor. Voice of the Colts joining us here on The Fan. Good afternoon, Matt. Hope all is well. Uh, We just kicked around a simple question here today. What would make you happy as a Colts fan this year, in the year 2023, within reason, of course? What would be a couple of the things on your list that would make you happy if the Colts did fill in the blank?
1: Oh, man. Well, I guess – you know, don't go. Uh, you know, one in seven or whatever it was towards the back half of last year, and you know, score score a lot more touchdowns, make the playoffs. Uh, you know, have some stability at, at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, those are all things that I think would put a smile on my face, make make things enjoyable, and I'm sure would uh, brighten up a lot of Colts fans, you know, fandom, if you will, towards the back half of hopefully what is a good 2023.
4: Man, I know there's a lot of uh, sadness and frustration to an extent from the way, maybe not the last full two years have gone, but in particular this past season. We talked about it, uh, about the Pacers as well, just a lot of losing at times. But the Pacers this year, young core. Again, I know they've had a tough losing streak recently, but there's more games in the NBA. We'll let that part slide. But the th- fan base is the same, right? You want to see positive growth, you want to see a return to hope and and belief in this franchise. Where has your needle moved with the hiring of Shane Steichen in that regard? And then just overall, the preparation for what they're ultimately going to do in April's draft?
1: Well, I think my optimism just relies, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at the success that the Eagles have had the last two years, and specifically last year in 2022, I mean, they're top 10 in everything. You know, yards and points and red zone and third down. I mean, these are all areas, to me, situational football is really where the Colts struggled last year. You know, getting off to fast starts, you know, the Colts, I think, only scored 20 points all season on their opening possessions of games. And if you look at the Eagles, that number was 62. They're really good in the fourth quarter. So, kind of like the minutia of offense, they were just really good and top tier in just about everything that they did. Now, they've got great players, right? I mean, they, got, I mean, they had six... Uh, pro bowlers on that side of the ball with Jalen Hurts and Kelsey at center and then a bunch of skill players and Smith and uh, A.J. Brown. So that certainly makes life easier, but he's still the guy that is orchestrating that thing and calling the plays and designing the offense, and he's done it and has had success with a variety of different quarterbacks. I think that's been well chronicled with, you know, Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. These are all different guys. Um, They have different levels of mobility and athleticism and arm strength, and he's just had a high success uh, with all of them, and I think that gives you optimism going forward. And I think also, too, and and this is just sort of like the big-picture NFL fan in me, is that the NFL is built for parity. I mean, we see every game seemingly comes down to the fourth quarter all of these games are decided, uh, you know, by seven points or less. And every year in the NFL playoffs, I mean, it's been, like, what, 32 consecutive years where at least four teams make the playoffs that did not the year before. And that number this past playoff run was seven. There were seven teams that made the playoffs in 22 that didn't in 21. And we always routinely talk about, teams going from worst to first in their division a la the Jacksonville Jaguars this past year so I don't think the cupboards bear for the Colts in fact I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic that Shane Steichen can retool reboot this offense uh, with Jonathan Taylor some core pieces along the offensive line with Michael Pittman Jr. some big play threats like Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods he can come in and put a stamp on this thing with the quarterback that they pick, however, they decide to, to go that route and be able to make it work. And um, I, I think this thing can go from, you know, obviously pretty depressing towards the end of last year to pretty optimistic uh, to 2023 because that's the league. That's the way this is set up with an inverse draft order and all of that. So I think the parry in the league plus Steichen plus the, you know, the pieces that the Colts have gives me a little bit more optimism, certainly, in mid-February you know February, than I did in mid-December.
5: You know, Matt, I'll be honest with you. At first, when you mentioned playoffs, I my initial reaction was like, "Yeah, that's a long shot. But the more you talk, you're absolutely making sense. And I'll meet, meet you halfway, because I think back to the Bengals. They were 4-11-1 the season before. They almost exactly. won a Super Bowl. That's crazy. And exactly. then you look at the same AFC South. Uh, last year, Jacksonville was 3 and and 14 and then they end up winning the south now granted those quarterbacks were in year two Uh, we're assuming that there's going to be a top draft pick in year one for the colts but with all that being said how realistic do you think it is that when the season's over we're looking at the colts in the playoffs
1: well i mean obviously there's a ton that's going to you know transpire between now and then um i mean the colts still have to make a decision on what they do in the draft and Uh, You know, what what they decide to do with, you know, quarterbacks on the roster right now and Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. But I think if you're just going to talk big picture again in mid February about the lot that the Colts are in right now in the AFC, um, they got the work cut out for them. And I know I'm talking optimistic, but I'm also real in the sense that the AFC is incredibly loaded. These guys aren't going anywhere. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey—they're going to—they're—they're already a dynasty. They're not going anywhere. The Bills aren't going anywhere. Uh, the, the Bengals aren't going anywhere. I mean, to your point, I mean Zach Taylor was going to get fired prior to the twenty-one season mm-hmm. had they not gone on that run to the AFC Championship game and ultimately the Super Bowl in Joe Burrow's you know third year or second year on the job. Um, so obviously, you, you've got to nail quarterback in this off for the Colts. And, you know, what we've been saying internally on our content, if you will, really since the end of the season, there are a lot of foundational pieces that are being put into place right now. That That's the biggest key. It's, you know, the word foundation this offseason. This is going to lay the foundation for really the next five to ten years for this franchise with having to make a huge decision on head coach, who we come to find out is also going to call plays, it's primarily going to be his system on offense, tailored to you know the quarterback that they choose, plus the quarterback that could be the franchise guy if they decide to go that route, picking in the top five in the lottery, if you will, of this draft. Um, so the the major decisions that they're going to have to make, uh, you know, one of them they've already made, but in about uh, a two month span, it really is going to set up the Colts with um, hopefully a lot of success. But the foundation of that success. That's going to be laid between now and May.
4: Matt Taylor taking some time with us on the Mower Shop and Fishers hotline here from the drivehubler.com studios. Matt, you mentioned the fact that Shane Steichen, at least from the press conference, that he's going to be the one calling plays here. We had Dave Spadaro on com yesterday, and he mentioned that you know Sirianni had, had done that his initial year and then eventually kind of relinquish play calling duties. It's all about style and feel for a coach, how much responsibility they want, where do they want to focus their energy? You know that. Uh, do you think that that is something that will be in the long-term cards for him? Or could you see that being as he gets familiarized as being a head honcho that maybe it is better off still having some input, but, but passing it along to an OC someday?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think time will tell on that. I mean, Nick Sirianni... You know the way that he put it was, you know, I just kind of had a lot on my plate, and I'm thinking about, you know, I'm playing this game of chess in my brain uh, throughout the course of the game, trying to call the plays, trying to do the game management stuff, trying to be two and three play calls ahead of where I'm at right now, and and thinking about strategy. And then I've got people in my ear saying, "Call timeout," or "Don't call timeout," or "Challenge," "Don't challenge," or "Go for it here." And it's not that he didn't trust those people; it's just I want to have supreme confidence and that what I'm, whatever I'm hearing in my ear about game strategy, I don't have to second-guess or I don't have to you know, think about a shadow of a doubt that they could be wrong um, because you have to make all of those decisions in a really uh, short amount of time considering the fast-paced nature of the game and the play clock and all of that. But I think Shane Steichen, just getting to know him a little bit, reading about him, researching him, hearing him talk, uh, he's a very sharp guy. He can process a lot in a short amount of time. Um, And I I, I actually think it's really important that he calls plays, to be honest with you. I mean, he's had – why wouldn't you want him to call plays? Because, I mean, he's orchestrated an Eagles offense that's just been uh, so dynamic the last couple of years. And, um, you know, the level of optimism pairing Jonathan Taylor with his creativity and his schemes within the running game, considering the Eagles have rushed uh, for over 5,000 yards combined in the last two years, led the NFL in rushing each of the last two campaigns. So uh, why wouldn't you want him dialing up his offense and working, you know, so close with a young quarterback again? If the Colts decide to go that route in the draft, um, but that being said, uh, you also the other side of that coin is you have to surround yourself with people that you really trust and that you're confident in that can give you in time intelligent feedback on how to manage the game, again, call timeouts, how to just strategize, you know, these late. You know, four four minute drills or two minute drills, um, because again, what you what you're hearing in your headset, you don't want to you know feel reluctant to go with. You, you want to make sure the people that are you, you know, you're entrusting to do game management are doing just that, so that you can focus on the play. So, I'm not saying it's not going to work out, but I like the fact that he's you know going to call plays initially, but he's also said that hey, if it's not going well or I think I need to pivot, he's comfortable doing that. But I think it makes a lot of sense considering his success that he comes in right away and and calls the place for this Colts offense.
5: He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts here on The Fan with us. You know, Matt, of course, Jim Irsay the other day said he likes the Alabama quarterback and uh, caused a lot of waves right there. You do? That's what I was going to ask you. Like, do you have a strong opinion (laughs) on any of the top prospects in the upcoming draft?
1: No, I don't. I'm not there yet. Um, You know, I'm not in, in, in terms of like just. You know, I'm surface level on the draft as of right now. I mean, it's just all been sort of regrouping after the season and then, uh, you know, sort of waiting and and researching some of these potential head coaching candidates. So now that there's a, um, you know, coach in place, you know, then we'll sort of go full bore into the intricacies of of these uh, draft uh, quarterbacks. But um, I, I think the consensus is, based on what I'm reading um, and just hearing other people that are certainly more dialed into the college game than I am uh, is that um, you know I think it's just sort of pick your flavor of the quarterback that you like. You know, some guys think that C.J. Stroud and and Young are on the same plateau. Other people think that it's young by you know a pretty wide gap and it's everybody else two three and four between stroud and levis or richardson from florida so i just think it it all boils down to the colts evaluation of those guys again hypothetically big if right if they decide to go that route in the draft everybody thinks that they will but you never know um but it's it's certainly going to be fascinating and interesting to see how this all plays out plus the whole fact that you know the Chicago Bears are sitting there at number one, and the you know the history with Matt Eberflus and the Colts, and you know his uh, intimate knowledge of this Colts roster, and the fact that they hypothetically don't need a quarterback, and they could get the best you know non-quarterback player in the draft by moving back to four. What would it take to move up to number one? Uh, would it take next year's first-round pick for the Colts? Um, to go up to number one, considering they'd be asking the Bears to only go down to four. I mean, I'm talking in circles right now, and I can't mm-hmm. even handle it, and we're mid-February. We still have, you know, almost a month and a half, two months to talk about all of this. So it's fun. It's interesting. I know why people get into it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the Colts right now are, you know, they're sort of on the tip of the iceberg of all of their evaluation as they have a lot of, a lot more uh, tape to pour over and interviews to do uh, when it comes to separating these quarterbacks from, from another
4: how dare you, by the way, for enjoying your well-deserved time off and spending time with your family and not diving into every ounce of college football film that you could have for <laughs> these quarterbacks, Matei. I'm disappointed. Um, yeah. You had an opportunity uh, to sit down and talk with Coach Steichen. Uh, and I know that you guys had that on the, uh, the the Colts Podcast Network and the Colts Audio Network, I, I beg your pardon, um, with Coach. Brian actually brought this up earlier in the show in regards to why – it's so interesting what quarterback they go with because there's been so many different stylistic levels of QB that Coach Dykin has helped develop or squeeze uh, the most he can out of over even the last four or five years as a coordinator in L.A. Uh, with Rivers and Herbert and then, of course, with uh, Hertz this past year. Sitting down, and I know you guys talked about that during that conversation. Did you get a similar vibe of they'll find the guy they want, but it'll be somewhat based on the fact that Steichen's going to be able to get the most out of whoever it is in theory.
1: Yeah. And that's another component to this whole draft uh, proposition. If, you know, again, if, if hypothetically their evaluation tells them that there's not a big gap between, you know, player a, who's the best quarterback in the draft versus player B, uh, then you just sort of sit back and that's another school of thought. You, you sit at four knowing that you're comfortable getting, whomever that player is, with not a lot of separation between one and two, and knowing that, you know, we, we've got a guy here as our head coach and you know, sort of our de facto offensive coordinator and play caller that has had success working with all different styles of quarterback. So let's just sit at four, not give up draft capital, and trust that he's going to be able to make it work because he's proven he can do that. Um, but I think big picture here, again, um, and this is – I think this is every casual NFL fan saying this. Certainly, Shane Steichen is saying this. I, I think the prerequisite now in the NFL is just what he alluded to the other day when he talked about what he's looking for in quarterback play. It's it's accuracy. It is a high level of playmaking ability. Um, it is IQ. It is smarts. It's intelligence. But it's also just, again, you, you've got to be able to make things happen when the pocket is not perfect. You have to have some mobility, athleticism, and again, I just go back to that word playmaking ability. And I think all of those quarterbacks to a degree have that, but you know, we're seeing that in the NFL. That is sort of, again, a prerequisite to advance to the divisional round, advance to the championship games, and get yourself into the Super Bowl. You don't have to be Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, but Patrick Mahomes has escapability. He's got playmaking ability. So does Burrow. So does Josh Allen. So on and so forth with all these quarterbacks in the AFC. you got to get a guy like that, I think, to just give yourself a fighting chance because these defensive ends and, heck, these defensive tackles nowadays are way more athletic and they they have more speed. They've got more power than they ever have. And I think just gone are the days where you've got these, you know, I hate to use the word pocket passers or statue-like yeah. quarterbacks, but um, I just think the game is shifting. The college game is, um, you know, going up to the NFL, if you will. And I think that's what the coordinators are doing right now. They're having success with blending the NFL game and the college game with some of these quarterbacks. Um, and they're not doing any any one thing or two things exclusively, but they're able to put a package together where these guys can thrive by making plays with the read zone or the read option or just having the ability to get out of the pocket, extend plays, and find guys down the field to get first downs or you know, to move the sticks inside the red zone, ultimately get in, in the end zone. So it, it's fun to see all the parity uh, quarterback-wise in the AFC and, and what the Colts can do. To give themselves a chance to compete with that by the moves they make in this offseason.
5: You know, Matt, this is, it seems like a long time away, the draft, a couple of months plus. So I realize we're in February and we're talking about what the Crystal Ball might see, but I mean, how much wheeling and dealing do you think we might see at the top of the draft where the Colts are at four? There are certainly other very QB needy teams. Do you have a gut feeling now as to what we might see when the first round rolls around in terms of teams moving up to get a quarterback for all the reasons that you just laid out?
1: Well, there's a chance. I mean, there's a a decent chance, again, the Chicago Bears are going to play this um, very intelligently. Again, they have a lot of leverage knowing that they have Justin Fields and they don't need a quarterback and, you know, we were just sort of kicking this around the other day. I mean, just sort of, you know, in the, in the break room when, when you have five, ten minutes to yourself and you just sort of think about what this could look like. I mean, the, the fact that the Bears, if, if the Colts go up from four to one, you know, again, you're asking the Bears to j- just drop down a handful of spots knowing they could still get a premium player at a premium position, not at the quarterback spot. And you know, if you're the Colts, you'd be saying, "Well, we don't want to give up our first-round pick in 2024 because you're still you're going to go down only three spots and get a great player." Now, you might be asking us for our our second-round pick or our third-round pick, or maybe you want a player on the roster um but let's let's keep our first round pick for next year but then the Chicago Bears might say well i'm going to get off the phone with you and i'm going to take a phone call from the Houston Texans who are also in in the market for a quarterback and they might also covet the best quarterback in the draft and they might be willing to give me uh their first round pick for next year so now are you willing to go back to the offer table like we're buying a house and up you know the uh the asking price by 20 grand or 30 grand here, right, to kind of put it into layman's terms. So I think there's a possibility that, you know, this could get interesting, especially as we enter mid-March in free agency and creep towards the draft. A lot of moves to be made, and I think that the uh, Chicago Bears hold, um, you know, a pretty good uh, deck in their hands, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they play it and what kind of leverage they might try to pull on some of these teams at the top of the draft that need a quarterback to get up to number one.
4: Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor with us via the guest line here in the DriveHuboard.com studios. You can follow him on Twitter, at Colts. Matt, with, and we all know this, but with free agency taking place before the draft and, and that getting started when the new league year begins, uh, I believe, what, first or second week of March, whenever that uh, officially clocks into play. For you, and you look at this roster how aggressive do you anticipate the Colts will be, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, uh, with what this free agent class presents?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's it's hard to say because you know in the past the Colts have always done a pretty good job of you know putting values on players and, and sticking to that, sticking to their principles, um, being prudent in free agency, and if it doesn't work out with the guys in the top end of the you know, the, the first couple of days of free agent guys, right? I mean, March 15th is going to be the first day of the new league year, and the top guys go for top dollar on the 15th and the 16th and the 17th, and are those guys overpaid? Yeah, but they're also the top guys on the market, and teams, you know, that's, that's what you do. I mean, that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars did with, you know, guys like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, and to a degree, it worked out for them, right? Because they won the division, they won a playoff game, got back to, you know, some franchise stability. Um, So I think there's two different schools of thought there. Um, But the Colts have some decisions to make on how aggressive they want to be at the skill position spots on offense to bolster that side of the ball with potentially a young quarterback. Um, Also, too, I I think it's going to be interesting how the Colts pitch themselves to free agents on the outside market, right? I mean, if you're a receiver on the open market, uh, that happens chronologically uh, in the calendar before the draft. And the Colts potentially wouldn't have a franchise quarterback taken at that point because the draft happens after free agency. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, But also, to in-house free agents, some big ones, you know, Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin on that side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball – You know, Taekwon Lewis coming off another injury, Um, unique Ngakwe, Bobby Okereke at the linebacker position, Um, Chase McLaughlin on special teams who is so uh, confident and stable at the kicking position. So uh, I think there's a lot of different angles to look at this with the Colts going into free agency, both in house on the open market and also how they decide to market themselves to outside free agents. Um, with the unknown of the quarterback position
5: you know Matt before you go and we appreciate your time do you think more or less of me that I literally celebrate the new league year as if it is New Year's Eve I go crazy (laughs) I I get balloons I get silly string I go nuts champagne I haven't gotten champagne yet but maybe maybe Uh, do you think more or less of me for this habit of mine Matt
1: well I mean I you listen I'm, I'm not one to judge anything considering uh, the the nerd the nerddom and the dorkisms that I pull out on a daily basis so um, for me it's just it's a very busy day of the year given you know the position that uh, or you know the the career that I have if you will you, you guys are in the same position having to track it and follow it and stay up to date on it uh, I think from a sports fan standpoint that day is just psychotic because you've got Traditionally either conference championships or conference tournaments going on or the first round of the NCAA tournament going on and then at the bottom line of the scroll, you're watching hoops, but then on the bottom line of the scroll, you've got all these moves going on in free agency. You know, this guy signs for this much money with this team, or, you know, this player is being waived or this guy's contract is being uh, you know, moved into a different realm of the business side. He's gonna roll over money and all this stuff. So um, it is a very, very busy time of the year in mid-March. I'm sure you know, NCAA basketball doesn't like the fact that the NFL continues to kind of, you know disappear and then come back and overshadow some big moments uh, on the sports calendar, But that is the beast that the NFL has created with. As soon as the Super Bowl is over, then you've got the combine then it's free agency, then it's the draft, then it's the off-season workout program, and then, boom, it's training camp again. So it really never goes away. So I'm with you. March 15th is a big day, and uh, I'm excited for it, just like everybody else.
5: Oh, yeah, very excited for it. And we're a step closer to the draft when that rolls around for sure. But, Matt, appreciate your time today, man. Good to chat with you. Hope you have a good day.
1: I appreciate you guys. You too.
5: There he is, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. You know, I do wonder, Jimmy – Uh, Brian, though, and Jimmy Cook with you right here. So I'm curious if there is a team that will punt. This sounds crazy town right here, but follow me on this. Okay. I wonder if there is a quarterback needy team that punts on drafting a top quarterback this year. Now hear me out on this. I've
6: been thinking about this too. Right? Like,
5: think about it. If you aren't in love with any of these guys, if you say, hey, Bryce Young's a baller, but he's... Wiry, he's a small guy. Uh, C.J. Stroud, hey, he doesn't move around that great. Uh, Will Levis, is a, his decision-making is goofy. Same thing with Anthony Richardson. Whatever. right? Whatever reason, you're just not in love with any of these quarterbacks, and you need a quarterback. Is there going to be a team that is disciplined enough to say, we're going to take our lumps for another year? Another one, like D.J. Khaled. And they say... <sighs> Caleb Williams next year, Drake May next year. Will there be a team that does that? I'm fascinated by that. It's not who ends up with which quarterback this year. It's which team, if there is one, says, eh, we're just going to wait until 2024.
4: Well, the fear of God is in the head of Colts fans right now because of the joke by Chris Ballard. Yeah. The other day. Again. I'm sure he was just being funny. I'm going to believe that until he shocks the world and trades back and everybody loses their minds collectively in the city. I I, I think they're going to quarterback, but that is fascinating. I have not thought of it from that angle. So I can't point to one team right now. I need to pull up the full draft order that would do it. Yeah. I've got
6: a team in mind. Go ahead. Then Houston. Yeah. That's sure. my thought here. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan's one. played with Houston in 2006. They had the first overall pick did not take a quarterback. Yeah. And I think D'Amico Ryan said something along the lines of a couple of weeks ago when he was talking to the media. We have a quarterback. Do we need a quarterback is the question. Mm. So that's my thing. You know, Houston's going to be somewhat bad next year. And if you don't like the three, like you mentioned, right? Caleb just, Williams looks like a baller. Yeah, just Rick wait. May looks like
5: a baller. And you could trade down, too, if you man yeah. And acquire and even so more. so many holes on your team yeah. already. I think that's a a great one, Eddie. It's for the Houston Texans specifically. Do we like Bryce Young slash CJ Stroud slash 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 more than Caleb Williams, Drake May? If the answer is no, then that's exactly what they should do is not draft one of those quarterbacks. But they're in a different position. Their position is not the same position as the Colts who have had retread after retread after retread. And it's a tough sell to be like, hey, how about just one more year of a retread? What do you guys think? And the city collectively is like, no, we think no is what we think. So it will be interesting to see what happens. All right, coming up next, we want to dive into this. There is a local player who did his impression of actor Shia LaBeouf. You know Shia LaBeouf over I'm, there, I'm Jimmy? I'm familiar with Shia LaBeouf, yes. Shia LaBeouf has a famous expression. And I do think this local player channeled his inner Shia LaBeouf yesterday. Some details on that. I'm Brian Though He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian Though.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
5: He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. If you could just see Jimmy Cook banging his head like he is a metal guitarist right now, that's impressive. I'm just I'm picturing the long flowing locks. Remember when Jason Newstead was the bassist of Metallica and he would kind of do the, the windmill thing? That's what Jimmy Cook would be doing right now if he had the hair to do it. I was back at
4: Ball State, even though I didn't go there. The playoff <laughs> earlier, I had my foot on the classical uh, guitar pedal yeah. or whatever. whatever right, for earlier. a
5: second, I was like, you went there too. <laughs> no, you've I, been I saying steadily through the show, chirp, you've gone chirp, to though. IU. yeah, a lot of yeah. That went to Ball State. A little, little love for the the Cardinals oh, over yeah. there. Very nice. Shout out to Mike Lewis. Nice. Very much Coach like Coach Lewis that. did a great job there. Um... Yeah, I remember when I was in school, I'm dating myself now, but uh, Bonzi Wells tried to spit game at a girl I knew. She was like, Bonzi Wells, it was like, hey girl, or something. I was like, did you go over? She was like, no, I didn't (laughs) like the way he said it. So that always pops into my head. So you remember Shia LaBeouf, the actor? I am familiar with Shia LaBeouf. Have you seen the movie Fury with Brad Pitt? no highly recommend it i don't know your taste in movies but great action movie we're talking i think it's around world war ii era but we're talking about like tanks and remember the trailers remember the hype around it yeah great movie but shia labeouf in that movie does an excellent job but i (laughs) i don't know if you remember this from shia labeouf you remember this one Do it! (laughs) There's a little bit more from Shy.
1: Just
7: do it! (laughs) Yes, you can! Just do it!
5: Okay, so that's Shia LaBeouf, one of his uh, famous expressions over there. And I can't help but feel that way with the Indiana Pacers. We've been hearing so often about we just gotta pay more attention to detail on the defensive end. We've just gotta be more connected. We've We've just gotta, we've just gotta, we've just gotta, we've just gotta. And then... Yesterday against the Bulls without DeMar DeRozan, they allowed 39 points in the first quarter. Unforgivable. And George Hill, God bless George Hill, he does his Shia LaBeouf impression and comes unglued in a timeout. And I swear he's telling him, just do it. And they finally did. They started defending. They come back. They beat the Bulls again in comeback fashion. But I don't know about you, Jimmy, I am sick and tired of hearing about the Pacers talking about what they need to do and not doing it. And they finally started to do it last night. Words are empty if you keep saying the same
4: thing over again and don't produce results for it. I'm less Shia LaBeouf rage (laughs) territory with it because... I know that's what they want to do, Mm. but there are still limitations with this roster that I accept and understand that this iteration of that team clearly is not going to be the perfect team in those areas that Rick Carlisle is going to want in the coming years. However, I would like to see more of turning the George Hill Shia LaBeouf moment (laughs) into post-All-Star break, being on the right end of things, playing that level of basketball they closed the game with against Chicago, Mm -hmm. I want to see that growth. I don't need to see it with a win every time, but if it continues on the back end of the season where they're losing by like 15 or 20 a night, and and there haven't been a ton of those this season, but if they're losing by double figures and it feels like they're lifeless, that would be a disappointing end of the season for me where I'm turning into Shia LaBeouf and getting very upset with where things are at.
5: Yeah, to me, it's if I say, man, I need to take out the trash And then the next day I say, I need to take out the trash. And the next day I say, I need to take out the trash. My girlfriend is going to look at me at some point and be like, take out the freaking trash. Stop talking about it and actually do it. And that's where I'm at with the Pacers. And you brought up a good point. There are some limitations. Absolutely. Just the way they're constructed. So I think you can't have unrealistic expectations. I don't think yours is unreasonable. But like... It's like prevent runouts. Yep. Like Don't have wide-open shots that you're giving up routinely. That is a reasonable expectation. And if they're just talking about doing that stuff without doing it, I start to become a crazy person. And some of it is connected to the offensive end. They had 14 turnovers in the first half. 14! We joked
4: yesterday that uh, th- you can bet race for 10, and, and the hosts that were in here yesterday, Brian King and Scott Agnes, uh Scott doesn't bet. And I was joking about, oh, well, if you think the Pacers are going to have a nice flow offensively, you can go race to 10. And then he texted me later that night. Well, good thing I didn't do that because it was not. It was it was a flat-out track meet for the Bulls. I will say, though, and why it gives me hope and why I hope it, it takes you off of the, the, the Shia LaBeouf rage is that people talked about, oh, is George Hill going to get bought out? He's going to go somewhere else. You need experience, whether it is – not in a large minutes role like Udonis Haslam in Miami, or whether it is a veteran player that's in the trenches with you. Either way, you need a voice sometimes to refocus in-game a young team. Prime example, like you just said
6: last night. It is worth noting that they did give George Hill the option. He's like, hey, do you want us to buy you out? You can go wherever you want. He said, no, I want to stay. Yeah. Also, to note here, Pacers are 18 or, I wish they were 18, but they're 8-20 and on the road after the All-Star break, 11 of their first 15 games are on the road.
5: Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's sounds li- like you'll be playing that clip more. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> on the road. Hold. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be me. It's going to turn into a <laughs> clip of me at some point. But, yeah, that's the thing is, and Dave Revson talked about it with the Hoosiers last night. In that first half, he's like, they just didn't look like they were ready to go. And if you think about the Pacers last night, losing 16 of 18, how? It blows my mind. Yeah. How can you show up not ready to go? You should be foaming at the mouth at that stage. You just lost 16 of 18, man, and you're not facing DeRozan. How how are you getting outscored by 24 immediately?
4: And, and on the Indiana side of front, at least for the Hoosiers anyway, to your point, and Eddie, I, I'm sure you have this. I don't have it in front of me because I don't have their, their rundowns, But but they have had their struggles on the road this season as well. That's why I was so surprised and thrilled with the Michigan game on Saturday because they came out and they knew the moment and they knew the level it was going to take to grind it out against. It wasn't pretty the whole way, but they didn't have that big lull where it took a massive comeback down 19 on the road in Michigan. Does that happen and they come back and tie the game up in Ann Arbor if they are down by 19? I don't know. Northwestern, I guess you can get away with that with how bad they shoot. But well, yeah, to your overall point, you want when a team has different expectations, Indiana Pacers and Indiana Hoosiers. But when you have these promises and these beliefs of, yes, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this, and that's the message all season, they don't show up on the road, it's magnified to your point with the Pacers when it's 16 of 18. It's crazy. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and that's why, I don't know. I think there can come a time where you have, uh, you have unrealistic expectations. You just expect too much. And then I think there comes a time where you're just passive to a fault. You know what I mean? Like, if you've lost 16 of 18, and I don't want to bury the lead, which is they finally won, and that's great, but if you come back from a 24-point deficit, that tells me you're good enough that night to not fall down by 24 at home. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> and you yep. should be
4: just doing everything to get a win. It was like Is that a league wide thing for you, by the way? Because I was watching uh Pell or was it, it was Sixers and Cavs last there you night. Go. They were down twenty in the third. Yeah, the they made were, a nice they, comeback. They lost, but I came back. I went back to the IU game, came yeah. back. This is a seven point game. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I and one of that's the flows of players get and the Pacers are too young to be lazy. They're not a veteran right laden team. But you see it all the time around the league of Oh, what
5: happened? Like uh, even a, a contender like Milwaukee, they fall asleep for a quarter and then oh yeah, there they are, they're back. It's the NBA is yeah. psychotic, and that's part of the reason why I love it. But it goes back to Greg Popovich. Pop had, had it with his Spurs, and he's like, yeah, I know all that stuff. We're young and you know but it, it's getting old. Yeah, and he was like, if these guys want to win games, play some defense. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> it's it's true, right? Yes. Like, and so you saw the Pacers being able to do that last night. And it's like, we just need to see that more consistently. I'm not asking for them to be the top defense in the league because there right. are some limitations. Like, I was in the Portland area for three years doing local radio. And it's comparable in ways. When they had Dame and CJ in the, the backcourt, there are defensive limitations and liabilities galore. Yep. So you can't expect them to be one of the top defenses, but can they be a lot better than they were absolutely on like a nightly basis. And to, that's why I see what the Pacers do. To that end, and I haven't really asked you
4: about this today, but I mentioned earlier that the Pacers kind of gave us fool's gold to start the year because they, they they had a nice schedule and they came out swinging and there were all these expectations for a season that was really going to be, not have fun, but let's grow night in and night out if it's a another sub 500 season. Okay, but just show me growth. Give me something to believe in. They come out of the gate swinging and it's like, well, I mean, they're going to be a four or five seed in the playoffs. Yeah. Where is your needle of that wave of excitement to where they've teetered out now? Is it disappointment? Is it, yeah, I guess this makes sense. Where, where are you at with all that? With with which part With of the it? flow of them, of, of where they started to where they are now. Are you surprised at all they eventually teetered off given how well they started? Or oh, are I you, see what you're saying. Like, like yeah. some Patriots fans
5: right. have frustration. Some are like, yeah, they're young. It's, it... I, I think that the beginning was... Mostly misleading. Yeah. I think they were playing over their heads. It's a little bit like I don't know the best examples. A little bit like Linsanity. Sanity. Remember yep. when Jeremy y- yes. Lin just went yeah. ballistic for a couple yes. of weeks and then it was like, eh, he's not that good. That that's sort of what I thought sure. team-wise for the Pacers. So no, I never completely bought the hype. But I mean, look at the Sacramento Kings. We've been waiting for the Kings to dip and they, they just haven't. They're, <laughs> They're not and,
4: and, and that's what's I mean, that's why everybody said it's a win-win in that trade, right? Because you look at two franchises, again, would the Pacers kill to be where they're at in Sacramento? Sure. Sure. But the Kings, I would argue, have a couple more playmakers, a couple more just dynamic talent in that starting five than the Pacers do right now.
5: Yeah. By the way, I lost a bet. Uh, One of my friends in the offseason, he was like, you can pick any team in any sport to not make the playoffs for the next three years. And I thought for like five seconds, and I was like, uh... Give me the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> and look at what they're doing Man. this season. My you, so you saved the Kings. If this
4: ends up to a championship, are you going to submit a claim to, to be a part of the, the parade I are, in Town? Yeah, right. No, I'm already out of
5: that bet because what was it? I won uh, the Eagles beating the Niners in the NFC championship game. So that, that canceled the bet out. So that was good. That was good. But not one of my finer moments with the, the Kings right there. All right, we got to close the show in style here, Jimmy. Yep. we got a little bit of time left. There is a fact related to Shane Steichen that absolutely blows my mind. And I know you got some gambling picks for us. Are you going to partake in that as well? I know I'm putting you on spot on it. I air. could. Okay. I, I could. You're welcome to. We, we c- open the we door. We compare notes over here. I'm all for it. I haven't done crack research just yet, but <laughs> i got a couple of minutes on my hands right now. We might be able to cook something up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, there's a, a fact. I was going to say a stat. I don't know if it's really a stat, Jimmy, but there's a fact related to the new Colts head coach, Shane Steichen, that blows my mind. So Steichen, he's now the third youngest head coach in the NFL. Okay? So you start saying, all right, well, who's younger than Steichen? So that would be Vikings head coach, Kevin O'Connell. Okay. He was just a rookie head coach last season. The other guy, Rams head coach Sean McVay. <laughs> McVay is still younger than 37-year-old Shane Steichen. That is amazing to me, and maybe it shouldn't be because I have to go back and look. What was he's like 32 he, or something I, when he retired? I think he was, he was 30. I have to go back and see. Because
4: I, I was looking at the other day, and I think he, I think he holds the record. I think he is the youngest head coach. Yeah. It, it, whatever, modern era, whatever you want to call it, that's been hired as an NFL head coach. I think he was like 30 years and like 10 months.
5: I have to go no, back It's oddly specific,
4: but I just looked at it yesterday. Did so I, you I think really? I think, because we were talking about, uh, oh, they hired a young coordinator. That's the flashy thing to do. Does it ever really pan out in the league? And I mean, there's it's been a hit or miss. It just depends on what your gauge is for yeah. success. I mean, uh, it, it, McVay has. They won a Super Bowl, right? But I mean, it. Yeah went all in for it and now
5: they're in shambles. Howdy's I don't been know. There twice? I don't and the Colts play the Rams next season, mm-hmm. but to me the Rams are a sneaky team because they were the walking wounded last season. You get Stafford back, you start to get Cup back, yep. you get Aaron Donald back, like I'm not again, yeah. I'll, I'll walk back.
4: I'm not trying to write them off into the night like they can't recover if they improve in a couple areas if they get those guys back, but you talk about your all-time... and That's what everybody points to. That's where the narrative went. Yeah, you went all in. Congrats on the championship. Look at your team. Did they yeah. have a ton of bad breaks oh. all year?
5: Absolutely. Right. It's still worth it, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. still worth it. Yeah, and McVeigh is 37 right now. He's just a few months younger. <laughs> a few months younger than Shane Steichen. By the way... They look like they're 20 years difference in age, by the way. They I mean, do. that just speaks
4: to McVay. They absolutely <laughs> do! I don't know what it is. Is it the L.A.
5: weather over there? It's but something. I was thinking with Steichen, man... NFL life is real because yes. you are on the grind. That is an old 37, right? Steichen. Maybe it's the hair. hair's going a little bit, but Steichen is an older looking 37. When I,
4: I don't, because you and I just talked about age. So I'm gonna be careful here. I don't want to insult my co-host. I, I'll, I'll add a couple. I, I thought, I thought he was at least 50, at least in his 50s. Steichen? Yes. Oh man, yeah. Like I knew he was young, but, 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 but visually, when you see him. I, don't know. It's gotta be,
6: gotta be I thought he was 40, not 50. 40.
4: Oh, man. I'm 40. Are you intentionally calling you know, out Brian right you're now? Are you talking me or are you no. talking Steichen? No, Steichen. <laughs> no, no, I right. I that's why I avoided you know,
5: 40s because I. Yeah. You know what's funny? I, I'll, I'll peek behind the curtain for the people listening and God bless all of you great people. So uh, he, we have three you minutes know, to get the bets also. We will we, will. we will. We um, will. Very savvily. Sav- I don't know if that's a word. I'll but accept it. Very, very savvily, maybe. Pending results, if that's really a word. Jimmy Cook was trying to figure out my age and and what the age difference was, and uh, he goes, "So uh, Ball State, you graduate in the uh, like the late 90s?" Or I was like, oh, one. and I could tell he's kind of getting at. It. I'm like, "Oh dude, I'm 45," and he goes, "Yeah, I've I've hosted here with some older guys, and I just started laughing. He's like, "No no no, guys, that were like 50s, 60s, whatever." I, I, I'm an old well, man. I don't right think now. 40. I mean, I, I I know it's variable,
4: person to person. Like there's days where like, oh, I'm really old, but I, I'm not. I'm 28 years old. But you're a young but, buck. But, but I don't view 45
5: as. Oh, it's ancient. You feel I, that way? I might die Every tomorrow. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be it for me. I don't know. Uh, you might have to host the show solo tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, okay, let's get to the bets over here. The Jay Cook plays of the day.
2: This is me. All right, I'm not a athlete. This is my way this is how i
4: win. today's plays of the day keeping it simple taking purdue to win on the money line at maryland tonight also zach Edey over 21 and a half total points some bonus bets for you as well i can't say back but we're gonna say it's a it's a it's a nice return and a positive note top 20 finish for tiger woods this weekend at the Gen- at the Genesis Invitational, and then Rory McElroy for a top ten finish at that same tournament as well. Three and one yesterday, five and one on the week. Plays on Twitter at the Jake Cook. We got about two minutes. You like anything tonight, Brian? Not
5: bad. I didn't have a chance to look. All right, it's okay. You, you're, you're peppering me. I'm going to lay it. There's a lot bothered, of points here. I bothered you during the break. That's my fault.
6: <laughs> I'm going to take the over on Giannis. It's thirty four and a half. A lot of juice here, but no Chris Middleton. Uh, no Pat Connaughton, so the offense will readily go through Giannis, who's got 36 and 45 against the Bulls already this year. I, I will
5: make it. up for it tomorrow. Okay. I'll have plays galore. By the way, uh, your traffic annoyance. Dave Revson was very, very excited about Use this Use a bleeping turn signal.
4: It's not hard. Really? That's Use top a, of the list. Because uh, I don't mind being cut off, Yeah, but at least you, attempt. Like, how, to be clear, I say I don't mind. Yeah. I get mad, but like. Just let me know it was yeah. some way. Right, Just, it doesn't take much. Yeah, flick the, flick the I, signal. I, I have
5: to sit here and wait while you turn without letting me know. I could have gone.
4: I, I hear that. It. That that that's the biggest one. That and not and using a turn signal in a roundabout. You don't do it, people.
5: You not use a turn <laughs> signal at a roundabout. That's next level. That's advanced that griping does. right there. You know, top of my list. What is it? Tailgate drivers. Freaking I that hate that too. them. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. That's what drives me. It's the most common. What I also do you hate, move or do you stay? Oh, I stay. I love it. I love it. Yes. Oh, gosh. If if you didn't give me enough time to get out of your way, you're going to pay the price now. If you were just cool and let me know subtly, okay, I'll get out of your way. Now you're going to pay for it. But also, when someone pulls out right in front of you and then immediately turns right in front of you, that's the double whammy right there. That is the double freaking whammy right there. Fun with you, Jimmy Cook. Good stuff. Flew by. Uh, uh, Minus you making
4: me uh, make the city mad at me about Peyton. But outside of that, it was good.
5: I didn't (laughs) mean to. I didn't mean to. There's going to be a riot after the show, no No, doubt. I'm not going to get in my car. Yeah. JMV coming up next. I'm Brian, No, He's Jimmy Cook. Definitely keep it locked right here all day. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.